Well, good evening, Hawk fans. Found a way to do it again. It's unbelievable, isn't it? 13 to 10, the Hawks take down the Minnesota, Minnesota Golden Gophers, if I can get it out right. And we're here with you for the next two to three hours, if history serves us at all. Myself and Coach Patterson will be taking your calls, taking your questions, your comments, etc. Recapping, Iowa's 13 to 10 win, and they are one win away, folks. Iowa is one win away, and that's a win against the Nebraska Cornhuskers from going back to the Big Ten championship game. In spite of an offense that's been poor all year, we know the storylines. Uh, it was better in this first quarter, not very good in the second, third, and fourth quarters, but regardless, the team has great character and great resiliency. And what this defense, special teams unit, and at times, guys like Caleb Johnson, Sam Laporta, there are individuals who have been um, unbelievably resilient, all right, through the second part, especially the second half of the season. And you have to give them credit for that. Um, it, this thing could have easily went sideways at four and five. Iowa would have been coming off a what a 40-point loss to Ohio State, something like that. And you got to give Kirk Ferentz. I know a lot of people don't like Kirk right now. You've got to give him credit for keeping the guys together, keeping this team together. And guys like Jack Campbell. I mean, I look when Jack Campbell was going on the record and and you know talking about how you know this is one team. If you take a shot at one guy, you take a shot at all of us. That kind of sounds like players speak, so to speak, right? But I mean, the guy has. Uh, he and the rest of his unit has proven that they believe in those words. And that is what Kirk Ferentz coached teams do. They don't fall apart. They uh, more often than not don't crumble in the locker room as some unit, as some programs may when they face adversity, they lock arms and they find a way through it. No, the offense is not still good for all of you who are still on here thinking, does this mean we're not going to get change on offense at the end of the season. I think it might. I'm not saying it, it, that that's what that means or if that's, I mean, you know where I stand on the offense. You know where I stand on Brian Ferentz. The offense was better in the first quarter today. There's no question about it. Sam Laporta, Luke Lachey, I was so tight end heavy. Um, even in that first quarter, they still have problems getting the ball to receivers, although they did get a couple of, uh, um, Petrus was able to hook up with Brody Brecht a couple of times. Arlen Bruce got back in the action, but wide receiver involvement is still, I don't really know how to describe it. It's a huge, huge problem. But again, the numbers that matter are on your screen. Iowa wins 13 to 10, and the Hawks are one win away from a division championship game. And you may say, well, they're going to get destroyed in the conference championship. You might be right. Michigan looked mortal, mortal today, I can tell you that. And for a stretch of time, Ohio State looked mortal. I'm not predicting anything, but I'm just telling you the, the facts. The facts are they're one win away from returning to Indianapolis. The number to call in if you don't have, uh, well, actually, you don't have to have StreamYard. It's a browser program. So if you're new to the show here, folks, you can join the show by clicking the link in the description below. And uh, you don't have to be on video. It's another way to call in. Here's what I'm also going to do for folks that uh, aren't comfortable doing that. First of all, I'm going to throw up the uh, StreamYard link in the live chat. All right. So that's the uh, 
StreamYard link. If you want to join, you can either clip it, click it in the description or in the live chat. I'm also going to throw the phone number up on the bottom ticker here, 515-635-1601. Coach Don Patterson will be joining us soon as we recap the victory. Let's go to James first, who's been on hold. James, welcome back to the show. Hey, how you been? Doing good, James. How are you? It was scary because I thought they called Jack's back. They didn't call Jack a touchdown. I thought there might have been a chance we might have lost, and I would have been mad. Well, that was. This is going to make a lot of people upset. That was the correct call. It was the got, correct review. It was the correct review. No, but you got to let it play out though. Talking about the pick six. Okay, but the officials. I'm just saying the officials saw it a certain way. He saw it on the sideline. He called it out. You don't over overturn it based on a look that was completely inconclusive. That's all I'm saying. I, I I'm not saying it was right. I'm not saying he stepped yeah, out, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying since the call in the field was made, yeah, you yeah. don't overturn that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I'm just saying they should have let it play out. I, and, I, I agree that they can't. They can't overturn. Yeah, you're right. The, the, the argument could be made they should have let it play out, but if the official got a clear view of it, you call it. I mean, if it's clear, he's on that sideline and he sees it clearly out, then you stop the play. Right. So yeah. I don't know if the official saw it clear as day, but certainly they made the call and uh, you would you would hope that he did see it clear as day. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, I felt like Petrus played better than I think we all expected him to play, too. Uh, he was pretty good in that first quarter. Yes. I mean, after that, I think, you know, the run game's not working. It makes it hard on Spencer and hard on the offense. Yeah. But you're right. Uh, he, he made for the most part, he made the makeable throws. He missed some. You had know, the throw to Nico Regani, which Tim Brando thinks that uh, I, I don't know what Tim Brando's doing. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, the, the throw to Nico Regani along the sidelines, I put that on Spencer. That was a bit high and hot, and the throw to LaShawn Williams was a bit high and behind. There was a throw to uh, was it Luke Lachey, one of the tight ends on the right sideline that was a bit behind. But for the most part, I mean, we're nitpicking there. He made the makeable throws. They're still not taking a ton of shots downfield. They did attempt a couple tonight that really didn't have any shot of connecting, but you're right. Spencer played within himself and did what he needed to do. And once again, it comes down to turnovers and Jack Campbell made a huge play um, at a huge time. And well, that's why they're on the winning side. I mean, obviously Jack picked it off, but I don't think we can also underestimate Riley's play in that as well, you know, because right. Riley, Absolutely. if he wasn't there, happen. but one question I got a couple questions I got is like, I think that's probably the most yards we ever get up on the ground and still won. Well, <laughs> what was the listen? What was the differential? Can we talk about the differential for a second? We're going to talk about this with Coach Patterson because I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. Iowa, by the way, lost the run battle last year against Minnesota. I wasn't even close. Iowa loses the run battle this year, three twelve to fifty nine. That is absolutely mind boggling. Three twelve to fifty nine. <laughs> my math. Is Ibrahim that, had two sixty eight of that. What's that? Ibrahim had two sixty eight of that. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mo Ibrahim's a pro, um, but I always got a lot of pros on defense, and uh, they found a way to make a big play at a big time. And then uh, I seen some two where they said that's the first game games in college football since nineteen eighty six. I don't know if it's Iowa, but I said that there was no foul since nineteen eighty nine. There was no penalty at all. In the whole game, it's either Iowa State or in it, a college football state. It was one or the other. That Iowa didn't have a penalty. That nobody had a penalty. Minnesota didn't either. Really, I didn't yeah. catch that. There was That's no new. penalties at all. 
Yeah, you're right. Wow. So that is a strange stat. I just nope. seen that Either on team. Twitter when I was scrolling through. Uh, what do you think? Okay, I know it's early, but like Laporta being out, I don't think hurts us as much because Lachey is a viable option. You know what I mean? Like Lachey is a viable option for sure. And then Estrango played a little bit. I've seen Stilianos out there a little bit too once Laporta went down. But like, do you think his injury will, will obviously will hurt a little bit because he's one of our go-to guys, but like how bad do you think it could hurt? Well, do we know what the injury was? No, it looked like a knee, but I mean, he never, he didn't come back in. So obviously you got to think some, it might be a little bit serious if he didn't come back in. Yeah, but I mean, until we know what it was, Tim Brando, I don't, I'm going to trust him. Um, I, I would say let's wait and see. But yeah, if he's out for the Nebraska game, it's big. But uh, they, they, I mean, one thing Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman did get correct is when they said that, look, they're that's probably their deepest position. Um, I, I like them at running back, too. I think they're fairly deep there, and at least they're top three. But there's a big gap between Caleb and um, the rest. I will say this. Uh I really like Luke Lachey. He's maybe been underutilized. Well, a lot of guys have been underutilized. Luke Lachey is is a guy who can step into that role. I'm not saying he's as dynamic as Sam Laporta, um, but he he'll be just fine. The question is, yeah, who do they turn to at that at that uh, second tight end spot? Probably a stringa, but they did bring in Stilianos out of the portal. He's been used ma- mainly in in goal line formations this year, but uh, they'll be called upon. I see him in there a little bit too, Stilianos. I saw him out there a couple of plays. Obviously, I didn't throw it to him. That catch Lachey had too on the uh, after the pick was a big one, you know, because they get, gave us that field position to get the field goal to win the game, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. Like, I know it's next week, obviously, and you never want to look to next week, but we won bad, obviously. Our team's not always next weekend. Like, Anthony Grant's a really good run. And not as good as Ibrahim, obviously. Right. But they do have good running, running back and wide receivers. So it's like, it gives us a chance. But I remember in uh, what day was it? We were like, lost some game and me and you were sitting here and I was like said something about the uh championship or something like that and you're like oh we had no chance to win. we both agree we had no chance to win it maybe we might have been wrong on that but I don't think I said no chance but I said I said it's not going to happen yeah 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 yeah. now if I if I was a betting man which I'm not certainly uh you'd give Iowa the the nod because they'll be they'll be heavy favorites against Nebraska. By the way, Wisconsin today. Let's let's be clear on that. They did Nebraska should have won that game against Wisconsin today and found a way and found a Nebraska like way to lose. But you never know. It is a rivalry game. Um, they'll get it back home. But yeah, you're you're right. A lot. Of, I I didn't think they had a shot four weeks ago. I'm not saying I blame you because I thought the same thing too. So I'm not saying I blame you either way, but. It was a good win overall. Obviously, my girlfriend's a Minnesota fan, so I was getting a little mad because she was bragging a little bit, but then we won overall. So for me, it's more – I'm not going to try to brag because we beat you, We beat them how many times in a row? So I'm going to be nice for tonight, but – Well, she's she's cooking dinner. Yeah, you know, so I got to be a little bit nice at least. But it, it's good to have you, have you on again. You know, I always appreciate you for doing the show and – whether it was a win or loss, you know what I've been here. I'm just happy it was a win at least because it didn't look like it was going to be for a while. I didn't say it didn't look like it was going to be. It was 10-10, but like we were giving up a lot of yards. Like We were getting pretty gashed on the run game. And it was kind of was tough because like they had six guys, and then we had six guys. You know, We had four down linemen and the two linebackers. So then they would get to the second level, and that's what it was starting to think work for them was they just got to the second level and blocked there because it was six on six. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But we'll see what happens next week. It's going to be a good one. You know, we always like beating Nebraska, so hopefully we can at least. And James, uh, I'm assuming we'll hear hear back from you on Monday. Yeah, 
I'll actually be home to I have time to watch the game, so I should be home to watch the game. So I'll watch you and call you back after that. Hopefully we can get another win too, you know. But Sounds enjoy good. your night and enjoy your holidays as well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate everybody being here. Let's add the one and only coach Don Patterson. <laughs> Why is it when I see your face, I immediately start to laugh? Don't take that personally, Don. That's not a shot. Uh, I certainly won't take it personally. You just bring so much joy to so many people's uh, homes and lives and Saturday evenings. And it's obviously easier for you to bring us joy when, when we're talking about a win. Um, I, before we get to your notes, Don, because I know you've got some, um, I want to, can I take a moment? Somebody a few weeks ago said that I was getting a big hit, big head with uh, correct predictions. And I was humbled over these last couple of weeks because as you know, Don, I've gotten a couple of predictions wrong. Um, I picked Purdue two weeks ago, picked Wisconsin last week. Allow me to bask in the glory of a prediction that might have been correct this week. Uh, let me, uh, no, no, I don't want to do that. Let me uh, stagger and try to get this up here so that it sounds like I'm doing it really smoothly. Uh, all right, Don, you take a look at this. This was my prediction from the uh, day and a half ago. Didn't you also say, Corey, the first one to 10 wins? That was us also. Hey, did I say that? I thought you did, but maybe somebody oh. did. Somebody said the first one to 10 wins. I'll say maybe- this, John. I'll, I'll say this. Thank you, Eric, for pointing this out. Um, as right as I was about the prediction and the score, uh, I was totally wrong about how they'd get there. Uh, never in my wildest dreams did I expect Iowa to be able to give up. 300 and... Let me get the final number. 312 yards on the ground and lose the rushing battle by 350, or excuse me, 253 yards, Don, and still win this ballgame. How in the world? Explain it to me. It defies logic. <clears throat> I've got the official stats right here. Uh, 316 rushing for them, one for us. I, mean, I think that's slightly different than what you have, but not by much. That's 225 yards difference. Typically, if you outrush somebody by 100 yards, you're almost certain to win. If you outrush them by 225, honest to God, I don't know that that's happened in the last 10 years. If it does happen, it has to be because somebody was plus five on turnovers. You know, something ridiculous that also doesn't happen very often at all. Uh, But it's hard to imagine that we could win the game if we got outrushed by 225 yards. All right, Don, before we get into the nitty-gritty of this, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Brad Van Meter, down at State Farm on Fleur Drive in Des Moines. Give Brad and his team a call for your auto, life, boat, all kinds of different uh, types of insurance. He can save you money, and uh, certainly his team will take care of your needs specifically. Give him a call at 515-256-6480. You can also visit his website, www.bradvanmeter.com. Brad Van Meter, State Farm in Des Moines. All right, Don, we've got uh, we've got Ryan who is on hold. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hello, Nostradamus. Hello, Coach Patterson. Um, Corey, you called it. Good job. I said it to my family right away. Like that guy called it all along. Um, I I know you. I mean, who? I I don't understand how we continuously do this, but darn it, I'll take it. Coach Patterson, um, yes, you, put your right, you put your right foot in, you put your right foot out. 
you put your right foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. You're right. All about the hokey pokey. Uh, this was a hokey pokey game. Um, so anyway, real quick, on, on the broadcast, I was just shocked that, you know, Laporta just absolutely destroys Minnesota, 95 receiving yards in the first quarter, gets hurt, and we got zero update on him. And I still don't know what the update would be on him. Uh, does anybody know or do you guys know? It looks to me like an ankle. They mentioned a knee on the broadcast. It looked to me like it was an ankle sprain. Don, do, do, do you trust anything Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman say? Not really. Okay. I had more faith in my assessment that it was an ankle than their assessment that it was a knee. But anyway. So I guess it's just too, he's to be determined for next week, I guess. Well, I mean. Short week. Kirk is probably talking as we speak. I, I don't know what he's saying. Okay. We'll, we'll hear. I mean, we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. So I just, go ahead. I was just going to say the, the problem, of course, is um, we need Laporta anytime we play, but we especially need him two weeks from now, assuming we're playing a game two weeks from now. But I would certainly expect that we will be playing one because I don't think Kenny Magic is going to rub off between now and next next Friday. Exactly. And I don't, I don't think this football team will be denied either. Well, you said eight and four when things were looking bleak, and you're looking like a genius now, too. Um, couple other. Let me say one, one thing. I think this is, and Corey, you've heard me say this before. Um, the great thing about being part of an Iowa football program, whether it's Hayden Fry or Kirk Ferris, or for that matter, I would say a Western Illinois program when we were over there. The one thing I was always able to tell people and, and say it with great conviction, if someone is in our program, whether it be Iowa or Western Illinois, for four or five years, they are absolutely equipped to take on the world. And by that, I mean they will never give up. And under, under any circumstance, they will never give up. You saw that today. Things were looking pretty dismal for us. Uh, I, I believe that was Mo's 14th carry on that one drive when yeah. the ball finally came out. Near as I could tell, it looked like the fumble was caused by who else? Number 31, Jack Campbell. Yep, and recovered, recovered by, by Craig. De Deontay, Deontay Craig. right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. That takes care of one drive. They were in chip, chip shot field goal range at that point in time, of course. They were maybe on the, what, the 15-yard line? Exactly. Incidentally, incidentally, you talk about the, the football guy shining on us. Think back to the missed field goal. That ball clearly – left his foot and was going to be good, except the wind blew it out. And uh, it's beautiful. There's no, there's no other way about it. You can't hit a, you can't hit a, a slice kick. You know, you don't, don't do that. Right footers, if anything, they hit a, a little bit of a draw. Uh, that ball clearly started off inside the uprights and ended up outside. And I think it was good, simply attributable to good old mother nature. I have absolutely no idea how we would have ever won on a 253-yard rushing differential on the bad side of that. But one question I have is, is there an injury or something going on with Caleb? Because he was eight eight rushes for 43 yards, I think. One was a 22. And then it was all LaShawn pretty much after that. And 
again, you never heard anything about if he might have been banged up or if something happened there because he only had eight carries in this game. I think LaShawn, I'm going to look real quick. Yeah, Caleb was eight for 43. LaShawn was uh, 11 for 38. And um, I was just wondering, like, is something going on with him? Not that I'm aware of. It certainly didn't appear, appear to be the case. It seems crazy that you wouldn't be using Caleb at all in, you know, the crunch time. Was it a true freshman tr trust thing? I don't know. Um, so a couple of other quick comments. I know you got others to come. Coach and Corey, what did you think of the third and 20 run up the gut right behind the center on the 35-yard line where we punted? I didn't like uh, that. Call. I didn't like I, written down is I didn't I didn't care for that call at all because I don't I don't I just don't know what you're doing there. If if you're not if you're not planning on kicking a field goal, uh, I don't know what you're doing there. But what's the I difference could, in taking if if you're scared of taking a sack, Don? Then you know what what's the difference? You're you're going to punt either way. That that particular play you're talking about, Ryan, that was Gavin Williams in the game for that for that carry, incidentally. Yes, it was. Third and 20, inside zone, Gavin for no gain. I don't recall the exact yard line. Help me out here, Corey. Do you, do 35. you think it was, it was 35? Okay, so it would have been 52 yards, but was that into the winds? Uh, I have I have written down 36-yard line, just for the record. It would, okay. have been in, it would have been into the wind, correct? Yeah. So all I could think of is they, they, had, they were worried about a sack or a strip sack, worse yet. I think they were hoping we could – Pop a run for maybe 10 yards and get in field goal range. That's all I can think of. That's the only reason I could think of to, to somehow call a running play. Wait, it, run, call, call a run with Gavin. I understand he's been primarily used in passing situations, but if you're trying to get 10 plays, you might want to go with the guy that, you know. Well, frankly, it seemed to me if you want to run the ball, your better shot would be with a draw play maybe because it is third and 20. Right. You would expect, of course, you'd be get, getting the edge rushers flying up the field. So if you could crease those inside defenders, you could, theoretically you could pick up 10 or 15 yards. Um, but in any way, what followed was the pooch punt that was killed on the minus three. And then, and then I believe they did. No, I take that back. Um, Mo had a run of 19, too many, too many um, chunk runs to even talk about almost. Um, Anyway, we were just fortunate to win the game because I didn't think anybody could run the ball that effectively against us. <clears throat> Let me say it this way. I think one difference in the game, uh, they had a much better running back than we did. Mm -hmm. And I'm not beating up on our guys. It's just that Mo is exceptional. Best, um, best player in the game, no question, by a long shot. He, he was giving me Shaquan Barkley total yardage nightmares. Yeah. Well, he's just a very patient runner. You know, you can't find him. He's so he's so small, of course, so low to the ground. Behind those linemen, it's hard to find, hard to even locate him. Imagine if you're a linebacker, you're you're trying to guess. Okay, he's going to come out come out from this pile of blockers somewhere, but I'm not. It's hard to find him. You know, because he simply can't get a good beat on where he's going to go next. And to his credit, outstanding change of direction, and and he didn't have good top end speed, but he's got good acceleration. You know, when he decides to go. You better, you better hang on because it's not going to be easy to get him on the ground. 
Uh, Ryan, I got to let you slide because I got a bunch of callers behind you. Feel free to call in later if you will. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you, sir. All right. Let's go ahead and get to Alex, who's been on hold. Alex, welcome back. How's it going, gentlemen? Doing good, man. Doing good. How are you? All right. Uh, so before I get into the game, I, you know, I, someone had said something about the, the call on the sidelines where Jack Campbell intercepted it. And I agree with him. The ref should have let that play because that was way too close to call. And across the Big Ten and in this game as well, is it me or has the officiating across the entire Big Ten just been pretty poor? I don't agree with your assessment at all. About the officiating being poor across the entire no, Big Ten? How, listen, I, 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 we're picking at straws here, but how can you say that he shouldn't have blown it dead when you did not have – none of us had a view down the sideline. That's why, that's why you couldn't tell on, on replay. The official is staring at the sideline. If he sees the guy step out of bounds – you call it out of bounds. You play. It, you call the play dead. It was, and okay. So, and I'll, I'll. So this is what this is my argument to that is that it was extremely close. It wasn't a clear foot like he had his like half of his foot out of bounds. I mean, it was like that. And like the previous caller said, I believe it was James. Is you let the play play out and then you review it, and then that way, okay, okay, yeah, he did step out at the forty-five. But as soon as you call the play dead, well, then the the chances there is gone. So. I the play should have been played out. Now, I kind of have a mindset of like, well, if he didn't get called out at the 45 and he scores the touchdown, does that give Minnesota enough time with time with two timeouts to make you know run their offense kind of how they've been doing and then again tie the game up eventually, you know, eventually. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But and for the record, Alex, I'm not telling you you're wrong that maybe Maybe he should. That would have been the preferable thing to do. I'm just saying. I'm I'm picturing myself in that position, staring at the sideline, and I see a foot on the sideline. In that moment, I understand these officials are professionals, but in that moment, I'm blowing the whistle because I saw clearly he was out. And in the pro, here's the problem. Here's what we need to be talking about. Why don't we have a, a camera view down the sideline? We have all these views, and we can we never have camera views right down from the pylon or right down the sideline. So you can't have overturns or you can't have conclude. Everything's inconclusive. So I, and maybe Jack Campbell, Jack Campbell, <laughs> unbelievable play by Jack Campbell, taking nothing away from him, but it was, can we agree that it shouldn't have been over? Like, even if you could overturn it, you, you couldn't overturn it based on the view we had. Would you agree with that, Don? Yes, it was, it was very close. That's for sure. You know, it's a matter of a less than an inch. It's a matter of just half an inch or a quarter of an inch, whatever. But uh, I wouldn't. I was confused by the whole thing too because let me be sure I'm straight. Was there a whistle that said he was out of bounds? Yes, yes. On the replay, you could see the official. It was kind of a late whistle, but the official did blow it dead. Well, here's where the official messed up. You better be damn sure he's out of bounds. If you're not sure, you don't blow your whistle. But maybe he was sure. That's what I'm saying. Now, maybe he, he, he started to blow and then he started to run again. He like there was a replay of him like know. trying to call the ball, and then he started running again. So he was he was he was pretty unsure of it himself. Yeah, frankly, I don't know how he could have been certain because it looked to me if he if he touched the sideline, he did it just by a a, a hair, not by much. No, maybe a whisker. And if in doubt, you're supposed to let it play on. So yeah. in my mind, there would have been some doubt as to whether or not the boy did. I'll just say it that way. Yeah, it's just in this game, there was there was a play that, you know, 
there's kind of the the whole thing of like, you know, you can call a holding call on every play on the offensive line. There were some blatant ones that were missed, but there was one that I was really upset by. It was when Minnesota had the ball. Cooper was engaged with the wide receiver, and the play was over, and Cooper let him go. And the Minnesota player punched him in the helmet, turned his helmet right in front of the official, and Cooper kind of looked at the official going like, you're not going to call that? So it was that was pretty blatant where it was like, and not like a shove. It was a closed fist punched in the helmet because his helmet like what turned sideways or his head dirt did anyways. And Cooper just kind of like, you, you can't believe you're not going to tell me you didn't see that. He didn't, Cooper didn't react by shoving him. He just kind of looked at the official threw his hands up. Like, well, what are you doing? This is where I'm kind of getting with the fact of like the officiating in the big 10 has been kind of questionable this year. The entire big, just this year, the, the officiating has been really, you know, questionable. Um, <clears throat> um, Corey, I had actually, I'm going to, kind of defend this or maybe uh maybe explain what i meant and uh is that if the iowa if iowa lost this game i said it would be large a large portion of it would be on the defense now you did you came back with said 10 points is 10 points agreed and i think the offense played well enough the offensive line and pass protection at least played well they did let up, let up one sack but that was on a corner blitz between the you know the five offensive linemen, they really didn't let anybody through. Spencer Peters was fairly clean. Granted, they had a bu- two missed snaps, which you know they have to get corrected before um, Friday when they play Nebraska. But <clears throat> like you know, you guys have been talking about, we gave up over three hundred yards of rushing, and if you take away, you know, maybe three plays from Minnesota, the missed field goal, the fumble, and the interception, the game's totally the game's different. Now it's all what ifs and everything like that. And the defense stepped up and got the turnovers that they needed. But is it wrong for me to think that that two things? One, that the offense played a little better, not a lot, a little better than the defense today because they they were able to move the ball. Granted, they had some show stop. They had some drives that floundered. Two of them were on bad snaps that um, you know they had a good drive going and just some miscues. But, and then, so I personally, I think the offense played a little better than the defense. Um, that's just my opinion on that. And is it just me? Because we saw this last year against Purdue. Does Phil Parker just have one of these games where it's just like, maybe he's not as crisp as he's been all year. Cause I felt like that this game, it's, this is a team, this Minnesota team wants to run the ball. And we, and if we made them throw the ball with that redshirt freshman and we saw it with that interception, he's not accurate. You know, and the, a lot of the passes he had him do, he only dropped back 15 times. So the pressure went, wasn't able to get there because they're not trying to go after the quarterback. They're going after the running back. So <clears throat> I think this was one of those games where I feel like Phil Parker kind of got into a stubborn mode where it's like, I'm going to run this off, this defense because it's worked in the past. That's just what I saw. You know, you know, I know I'm probably going to get roasted in the comments and the and you know, people saying no, no, you know, I've never been, I've never been a defensive coordinator, never coached football, and it's just that's just what I saw is that there was very little adjustments made to account for Mo Ibrahim, and that's not no dis, not trying to discredit Mo or that off Minnesota offensive line, which played phenomenally well against this great defense, but I just didn't see anything from Phil Parker that said that he made certain adjustments that would slow down this rushing attack. Well, for for you to say. I, st- I think the offense played better than the defense. I said a little better. I didn't say a lot. I said a little better. I, I don't even know what to say to that, Alex. Come on now. 
Okay, so if you take away take away three, like I said, take away. Let's just take away the two plays: the fumble and the interception. And then Minnesota okay, has okay. has ran the ball. Okay, Minnesota had 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 what had so much success running the ball on this team that, and then they they boat up when they need to inside the red zone. But if you take away those two kind of those two turnovers, the games Minnesota win. I am not saying that Iowa's defense was superb today. All oh, right? they I, gave yeah, up, I know. they gave up ten points. Let me read you after that first quarter. All right. So they have a field goal and touchdown. Let me read you the drive results after that for Iowa's offense. Punt, end of half, punt, 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 punt. Field goal after the Jack Campbell interception. And by the way, good throw from Petrus to Lachey. You're going to tell me that that offensive performance was better than Iowa holding Minnesota to 10 points on the day? Come on. Okay, so we after <clears throat> this Iowa offense was able to move the ball specifically through the air. They couldn't run the ball. I'm not saying they could or not. I mean, and I know I think Ryan had said this when Caleb Lashawn had a big run, then Caleb got in, ran a had a big run, and then we never saw Caleb again. I'm like, why are we not featuring this back? He had he's he's been showing some promise. The offensive line had wasn't blocking well in the run game. You know, credit, but in the pass game, Spencer looked really good. You know, you can take away a couple plays, and I think the offense played again marginally better than than this defense because the defense was was not was not this typical Iowa defense because they were giving up so much. Minnesota had the entire playbook open to them. Granted, they ran it hundred times probably, and they, they only passed fifteen. <clears throat> so there was just what I'm saying is that this defense, which is known for just being stout, stopping the run, making you throw the ball. They didn't do that this game. They were not the typical. Maybe it's because I'm thinking this Iowa defense got gashed on the ground and, you know, made a couple plays, you know, with the two turnovers when they needed to. But the offense was constantly moving the ball. Yes, they punted a lot. I I get that. Especially on that fumble recovery, they went three and out. That was irritating to see. I'm not saying in the play calling was a little questionable. But overall, the, I personally think the offense played slightly better than the defense yeah, because yeah. I'm just, that's how I feel. And I know I'm going to get roasted for it. I'm not saying this offense is the greatest thing in the world, but the way the defense played versus how the offense has played in the past, it was kind of night and day. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to rip you for it. I don't agree, but you and I have having a difference of opinions and not, you know, be mad at one another, but, but here's what I'll say on that. Uh, you say we're not used to this Iowa defense giving up this many yards. You're correct, but let's remember this. We also weren't used to this Iowa defense selling out to stop the run like they have since the bye week. They gave up rushing yards to Michigan. They gave up rushing yards to Illinois. I think about the uh, 2017 game against Saquon Barkley when he had like 280 all-purpose yards against Iowa, but guess what? They were in the game at the end. They bend, they don't break, and they do what they need to do in big moments. And I just – I. I understand the numbers are startling and they're mind-boggling. The fact that Iowa won this game in spite of giving up what three hundred some yards on the ground, but this is the tip. Of, this is to an extreme level. This is what Phil Parker does. He bends. He bends. He bends. He bends. So I don't agree with you. I understand where you're coming from. And no, it wasn't the defense's best performance. No, and Phil Parker's never going to tackling. Absolutely horrible tackling. Uh, he, Phil Parker's never going to tell you, yes, I, I want to give up 312 gra- yards on the ground. Don, anything? I got to let Alex slide because I got people, but Don, anything else to add? Well, the only thing that comes to mind for me that kind of supports what Ice was saying, it wouldn't have shocked me after the game if if Phil even acknowledged 
I don't have a solution for stopping them. It appeared we couldn't come up with any any plan to stop them, to slow them down. You know, I, I felt just so helpless to watch them continually be ahead of the chains and then convert on third and two. I got tired of watching it because it, it was almost like Groundhog Day. You know, it seemed like the same. Um, I've seen this already. I've seen it too many times to count. We just could not get off the field. It was frustrating, I'm sure. I just, it's one of those where I think Iowa just, you know, it's one of those where I think, you know, the defense, you know, had a bad day. You know, I'm not saying that the defense is a wash, but, um, you know, it's they just had a bad day. And I think the offense actually stepped up and in certain spots and was able to make plays. Like you look at the very first play from scrimmage, that big pass to Sam Laporta, you know, that big pass play to Luke Lachey near the end of the game. Uh, the offense made plays when it needed to. Same thing with the defense, but it was co a constant like, you know, I, I would like to hear this, and I'll get off so you can get to other calls, but how many plays, how many chunk, or how many plays over 15 yards did Mo Ibrahim have? I guarantee it was about five, not more. It was, I mean, that's something Phil Parker preaches is that we limit the explosive plays. Well, when you, you get a running back that goes 20, 15 plus yards more than five times, that's, you know, that's a pretty an explosive play. So, but anyways, uh, I'll get off of here. Thanks for taking my call so someone else can get on. Thanks, Alex. Don, you know you're you're a, you're a football mind, and I am not. But I, I get I just go back to the fact Iowa gave up ten points in this game, ten. Right. So I, I just I I I understand what you're saying, and I understand what Alex is saying. But how do you argue with that? What what else do you want? What what do you what is it? What does a person want from them? Yes, did it hurt them in field position? Yes. But it would also help in field position if Iowa's offense could more consistently move the ball, which they did at times today. Right. But we're asking, aren't we asking a lot from the Phil Park from this Phil Parker defense to continually not only limit scoring but limit yardage when when no, you have no doubt no doubt about it. You know, here's the bottom line: if you're resilient, as we were today, that may get you out of any and all dire circumstance. You know, we did not give up. They were. How many plays did they run when we forced the fumble? I think that was at least the 15th play, right? Because I think it was 14 runs and one pass at that point in time. The, the 14th run, the ball came out. It didn't come out because of poor ball security. It came out because Jack Campbell hit the ball. And thankfully, we had a guy that was ready to, to bounce on it. Uh, let's go back and look at the interception. Another drive, it looks like it's going to be another field goal opportunity to break the tie. And let's give Jack credit for reacting to the to the carom, but let's give Riley Moss credit for being there to challenge that pass. And I would certainly give him credit for a, a pass broken up on that play because I think if he hadn't been there, the ball would have been very likely caught. His timing was good. The ball went flying, and, and Jack was ever alert like he always is. Um, you know, so I just give our guys great credit for never, ever giving up. You know, you've, there's that old expression, you got to kill them to beat them. Well, that's who we are. You have to kill us to beat us, you know, because we're not going to give up ever. And I think the beauty of football is a game like today reinforces that that's the only mindset that's, that's worth having. You have to never, ever give up. It doesn't matter if they're on the one-yard line. Uh, first and goal at the one-yard line, you can still defend that goal line. You know, you might have to be a little bit lucky to do it, but – Let's face it, luck isn't a part of the game. There's no doubt about that. 
Let's get to Thomas, who's been on hold. Thomas, welcome back. Hey, guys. Uh, that game. Hey, uh, it's hey, just... How's it going? <laughs> My wife says hi. <laughs> um, man. All right. So, like you said, bend but don't break. All right. That is Iowa's mantra. They proved it today. And when uh, when our offense couldn't score points, what? we... Uh, it was the defense that put us in that position, right? So, uh, yeah, it wasn't as good as what we're used to, but you know what? It's more than enough. I'm just uh, – so I'm not a big Petrus fan. Everybody knows that. He played his first half really well. He, I mean, he did made some good plays. When he, uh, he, got, that, he got sacked, he got shaken up. His, his throws after that were just off. Um, but my biggest frustration is the play calling. Uh, uh, it's just run the ball on a third and 20 and run the ball when they're expecting it. I mean, why not just f- throw the ball to set up the run? Well, we'll say right? this. They did that in the first, let, let's defend, let's defend Brian for a second, Thomas. They did do that on the very first play of the game. And that ended up being a massive play in the game. Don, talk about that first play, because that was not a play that Minnesota expected. Yeah, let's back up and talk about why that play worked. First off, it was a we had a wide middle screen last week, right? But this one was a wide middle screen with a misdirection to set it up. Uh, think back, you might recall. Do you recall who the motion man was, Corey? I bet you do. I bet you could guess who it was. It was a guy we might actually give the ball to on a fly sweep. Bruce, maybe. It was Arlen Bruce. Yeah. So it was good play action in the. It, it forced the defense to move. They thought it might be. Let's face it, we don't start off with a pass very often. Uh, so th- I think they did think it might be a fly sweep. Uh, and whatever the case, it was a fly sweep. And then it was um, the wide middle screen. And I did go back to check because I thought it seemed to me maybe we got by with one there. But that's not true. Uh, we caught the ball on the line of scrimmage, if not slightly behind the line of scrimmage. So it was absolutely a legal play. We had linemen downfield, of course. On that play, and let's give Sam a lot of credit. Plus fifty-eight, but how much of that could you attribute to Sam? Uh, just, just so you're aware, Corey, you'll find this interesting. I was at practice on Wednesday, and after practice, and they were outside practicing. And I have to admit, I was cold at the end of practice, and I wasn't even there for half the practice. But anyway, one of the guys I wanted for sure to catch up with was Sam. And I'll tell you exactly what I told him. <clears throat> I shook his hand and I said, "Sam, do you know one reason I like you so much?" as a tight end, and he said, what's that, coach? And I said, because you have the mindset that the first guy is not going to get me on the ground. And he smiled and he said, well, that's the plan. And I congratulated him. I said, well, you're doing a good job of carrying out the plan because, in general, the first guy does not get you down. And and he showed that again today, of course. That play didn't have to be 58 yards. He could have been tackled sooner. Uh, and not that anybody, you would say, he didn't run anybody over, but – but there was a guy or two that got that got an arm on him at least, and he wasn't going to go down with an arm tackle. And um, so that was a very good first play. Here's what I liked about it, Corey. You've always heard me talk about it. That play showed some imagination. That play showed some game planning. I'm sure as they finished their preparation, they said, let's start the game with this play. And it certainly paid off. Well orchestrated, well timed. Thomas? But then, like I said, in the second half, it's like they just went back to their old ways. 
it's it's like the first half was completely different from the second half. I mean, Don, you have the, any comment on that? Are you well, miraculously going to be able to run the ball? Let's not forget about play action Y middle. Play action Y middle was a good call too. Uh, you know, they were pretty committed to the run at that point. And and here's Lachey. What did we gain on that play? I don't even know what we gained. It but it was a big gainer. It was an explosive, Don. Yeah, it was. It was 25 yards or more, I bet. Uh, so it had everything to do with us being in, um, being on the right side of the score. So uh, I thought Lachey, in relief of Sam, played well. The thing I like about him, he's proven to be a very reliable catcher. Now, he's not quite as quite as quick as, as Sam or quite as elusive as Sam, but he is a reliable guy that you can trust to, to catch the ball. I think he's proven that over this season. Oh, no, I, I agree with you, but that's the, that's the thing is once Laporta was out, it's like the play calling was just – it was it's it was crap. It went from it went downhill from there until. Well, let me, let me start another play. It was a good play. It didn't produce any yards, but it was well conceived. It would be what I would call a switch route. I'm talking about the ball that went off of off of um, eighty off Nico's fingers. Yep. That was a well conceived play. The out receiver actually broke inside, and and Nico comes off his tail end and widens. So it's what we call a switch route, and he was open. The only the only negative about the play, uh, and you've seen this before out of out of um, Petrus, out of Spencer. Yeah, he has a tendency when he guns the ball, the ball tends to rise on him, and the ball went a little bit high. He didn't have to throw it with that much velocity. Nico was wide open. If if he had just given him uh, just taken a little pace off the ball, they wouldn't have skipped off Nico's fingers. That was a tough ball to handle. I think I would probably call it a drop if I was the receiver coach um, because it could have been caught. But let's face it, if he'd just taken a little bit of pace off the ball, it would have been a much easier ball to field. But there wasn't. my point is you haven't seen that play. So, that, again, that shows some imagination on our, on our part with our game planning. That's a good sign. Well, no. And like I said, I, I have to give credit to Petrus. He w did play well the first half. It's just, like I said, once he got sacked, it seems like he got shook after that. You know, the immediately after that, he did the one where he threw it away. Um, and I don't know. To me, it looked like it just the first guy he was, he was looking for wasn't there. And he just threw it away. And it's just like, I mean, come on, it, you know. But, you know, play a little harder, do a little more. You know, I'm just uh, I get I get your frustration and it wasn't a perfect call, perfectly called game by any means. I'm still not sold on Brian moving forward. I'll admit that. But um, I did think there were some plays in there. Uh, some are better than none, Thomas. I think that's what Coach Patterson and I are saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I just, you know, I'm I'm not too worried about Nebraska next week, but it's just like. If we beat Nebraska, it's just how big of an ass whooping are we going to take? How bad are we going to look, you know, versus uh, Michigan again or Ohio State? You know, it's just – and, again, I have faith in our defense, but the, the problem is is the defense, you, you, you rely on them, rely on them, rely on them. At some point, it breaks. 
at some point it just like it's uh like the Big Ten championship against Michigan State, right? All uh, a couple of years ago, all game the defense just did amazing up until the last play at the goal line, and it's just it's just that little snap. That's all it takes, you know. And the, and the, this is just taking me back to that season where the defense does amazing, amazing, amazing. And we scrape out wins, but then in the big game that comes, it's those dynamic players that make the difference that we don't typically have, right? I hear you, Thomas. So that's, I mean, that's all. Uh, thanks, guys. That's just, Thank you, sir. Oh, no, it's, it's I get your concerns, and, and your, your, a lot of your concerns are well-founded, sir. So appreciate you calling in. Thanks, guys. Corey, let me go back to, to the sack. Right before then, I, I make this note. And, of course, I'm making notes as the game plays out. Um, let's see. Um, let's back up to Minnesota's possession. You probably noticed during the game, Corey, they went with a lot of scan. You know what I mean by scan, right? Yeah. They lined up. Maybe they were going to snap it. Then they looked to the bench, and then they got a call. So I think – I think that's one reason that we had difficulty with them is because they were using a lot of scans. So they were looking at our defensive alignment, then calling a play. And uh, I think most of the credit goes to number 24. You know, I think he would have picked up yards regardless of what the run call was because most of them seemed to be okay, especially with him carrying, carrying the ball. But anyway, I made a note just shortly after that field goal tied it up. And that was in the middle of the third quarter. The free safety is really attacking the line of scrimmage. Right then, I was thinking play action post because they are not sounding the back end. That guy was making tackles on the line of scrimmage. Uh, any number of times, he made a tackle a yard on either side of the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then comes the sack. The thing that upset me about the sack, it was the first down play. We we're on the plus 26. So even though it's first down, you might not expect um, a weak corner lightning, what we call a lightning stunt. Uh, but we're on the t- plus 26. You know, we're in field goal range. Wouldn't it make sense, Corey, that they might try to get us out of field goal range? And the thing that upset me, uh, Spencer never saw the lightning. But if you look over the top of the lightning, Corey, you've always heard me talk about scanning the field, especially being aware of what's happening on that short side of the field because that corner's not, not very away from you. And and you don't learn a whole lot from looking at him, but where you learn more is looking at the free safety. That free safety was way outside the hash mark. In other words, he was almost stacked over the over the width of that corner. That's a good indication the corner may be coming, right? The free safety's alignment. He's got to be in position to defend that receiver because the corner's not going to be there. So he was cheated wider on that play. Uh, obviously, Spencer never saw him. Uh, and then, um, and then of course the sack was minus ten. That did take us out of field goal range. So, and then the next play, we was third and 20, or two plays later, third and 20, and then we ran the inside zone for nothing, and then we pooch punted. So, so much for that. But my point is, um, for Spencer to become better than what he already is, is just have just have better awareness of how the players are lined up. And I, I don't think it's, it's certainly not emphasized to scan the field, but I wish it was because you might eliminate a few of those stunts that and frankly, he never saw him coming. You know, he was uh, he was paying attention to the motion man on the wide field, and by the time he turned around, of course, the guy was right there in his in his lap. Uh, no no chance to throw it away or anything else. 
So that was unfortunate. All right, Don. And I and I, I knew I'd get ripped in the, the chat about my take on the uh, the call on the sidelines. BJ says it wasn't on the sideline. There was full green. Um, Ray says he was clearly in. Bear says he was clearly in. It was a garbage call, not even close. Don, that's quantifiably false. You and I both know that. I, I don't want to say that because I love Jack Campbell, but it was – if it was if it was not close, then it would have been overturned. <laughs> it would have been overturned, Don. Whether we want to right. say it, it was close. What's unfortunate? Uh, that wing official. Uh, it sounds like he hesitated a little bit, and then he blew his whistle. Sure. And uh, otherwise, and then, how does how Jack Campbell end up in the end zone? You know, he was continuing down the field, and I guess a late whistle. He maybe he couldn't even hear it at that point in time. The Iowa fans were certainly making a lot of noise. But what's sad is. Unless you're absolutely certain that he's out of bounds, then you don't blow your whistle. And I can it's see no that. I can, I can no see that. Than what might be a fumble. If you're not sure, if you're not sure he was down, you don't blow your whistle. You let it all play out, and then you go back and look at the replay and you get it right. Uh, so I saw some games. If you're not sure, Don. If you're not sure. If you're not sure. My point is, we don't know if he was sure or not. Right. That's true. Well, I mean, the fact that he didn't blow it when it happened tells me that he wasn't sure. You're right. You're right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was standing on the Minnesota bench. So he might have gotten a little encouragement there a, few, uh, a second or two after yeah. after the foot and, was maybe or maybe not out of bounds. And I understand that my take on this is not the popular opinion. Uh, I call it like I see it. I could be wrong. You may think I'm wrong. That's fine. I, when I saw that initially, I thought, oh, it looks like he's in. And then when they zoomed in on the sideline, you know, that foot's kind of dangling over the sideline. I didn't see any green on the zoomed-in view. And, again, I, I think my biggest thing is why don't we have cameras that, that make these reviews easier? Yeah. I, just, I don't get that. So, anyway. Yeah. Here's the reality. If, if they hadn't blown the whistle – I don't know that the replay would have been enough to cause him to overturn it. I think it would have probably stood as a touchdown. Let's go to our phone lines. We've got Shadow Wooken on uh, hold um, here on StreamYard. Let's get to our phone line. He's been uh, this individual has been waiting a long time. Thank you for calling Iowa Post Game with Coach Don Patterson, who's on the line. Um, name is Brian. Hey Brian, appreciate you staying on hold for so long. Yeah, I just want to call. It was. A very tough fought game. Um, one of the comments what you guys were just talking about was that uh, interception that uh, you know was or wasn't out of bounds. I think in the long run that it probably was good it wasn't called you know in bounds because that would have left a lot of time on the clock. So Minnesota could have drove down and score a touchdown and tied it up. You know we could have went in overtime. So in a way, I think it was a blessing that it didn't. You know. <laughs> But with the called, you know, at the time, did we expect Iowa to hit a, a big one over the top to Lachey when they really hadn't done much in the last three quarters? You're right, though. In the end, it was actually better that he was ruled out. You're absolutely right. Don, any thoughts on that? It's a good good line of reasoning. No, I think it's, you know, it's silly to, to go back and, and worry that much about one play. And would it have turned out differently? Uh, certainly it would have played out differently. But, um, but, um, you know, it's really hard to – you can't just presume that it would have played out the same way if, if the whistle would have been different. 
Well, the point is there would have been more time on the clock, right? There would have been more to what he's saying is the caller saying is there would have been more time. Minnesota would have had a minute and a half, two minutes to come back down the field and they would have been down right. touchdown, but Iowa was able to win the final seconds. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't worry too much about that kind of thing because I think, you know, if you, if you eliminate one play from the game, then the game does play out differently. Sure. If, if, it's, if it's a key play. And hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. So, anything else, caller? Yeah, you know that's what's up. And also, um, Minnesota's you know offense with all the running a lot, you know, with Mo, which yeah, he's a great running back. And for some reason, we just could not find the right scheme just to stop him. But I would be worried on Minnesota's offense for not being more balanced, not you know able to use the pass because they're just wearing out their you know, the running back and the only announcers kind of said that. So, you know, when he gets, you know, to the next level, how much, you know, much time he has on the next level, because he's got so used a lot in college because they, the announcers made a comment like the last four games, he rushed for pretty much 25 carries and more. That's just burning a player out, you know, towards the end when you really need him <laughs> to, when you get, you know, try to win a championship or, you know, the bowl game. <laughs> Yeah, just your thoughts on usage, Don, player usage? Well, I noticed as I was looking back over the season, um, Mo didn't play in one game. He didn't play against Purdue. But I did notice in other games, I was just trying to figure out how we were going to hold him under 100 yards, which was really wishful on anybody's part. Because I noticed in a couple of games, I think Penn State might have been one, uh, he still got his 100 yards, but he had to carry the ball, I believe it was 36 times maybe. Something like that. So I, I was simply thinking, if they have to give him the ball 40 times, they'll do it. Now, it didn't get to 40, but it got pretty close, I think. Wasn't it 37 maybe or something? How many carries did he end up with? Uh, according to the – It was almost 30. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing on my end on 39. 39? Let me pull the official one up here. But I'm seeing on the unofficial box score 39. Yeah, 39 for 263 yards. If you want to talk about something to fret about, what's amazing to me, they ran the ball 50 times. You know how many yards they lost on those 50 carries? A total of four. Four yards lost. That's impressive that they had no minus plays, hardly. Uh, Mo had minus two, and uh, and the quarterback had had minus two. But the quarterback overall had four carries for 32 yards. So a couple of them were significant gains, of course. You with us, caller? Yeah, I'm still here. Anything else? Yeah, one last. Yeah, yeah, one, just one last thing. Just kind of was just thinking it was kind of an analyst, you know, the last couple of games and some of the other callers saying, you know, what was tonight's game with, you know, they t- obviously totally outrushed us for, I think you said 256 yards or something like that. And I kind of use an analyst like in, in wrestling where an opponent could be dominating a wrestler all uh, the match and takes one mistake that, you know, he gets, you know, in trouble, then gets pinned and loses the match. That's kind of like what I hope football's been the last couple of weeks, you, you know, we're getting beat up here and there, but we find a way to win. Like Don was saying, we're so resilient. Keep fighting, keep fighting. That's, you know, that's one thing I love about Iowa and football and this Iowa in general, that we're, we're fighters. We just keep going. You know, that's kind of like, you know, in wrestling, you get beat all the way up one mistake, 
boom, you know, overturn and, you know, we win the ball game. Absolutely, Don. The, the resili- I mentioned that at the outside of the show before you hopped on, the resiliency of this team, and they do. They just don't stop. I mean, that's what Kirk – that's what has made Kirk Ferentz a great coach here at Iowa is his teams never quit. And we saw all of last year. I mean, Iowa could have easily – look at the scores. They could have gone you – know, they go 10-2. and two. Uh, They could have probably gone – if you go back, they could have gone 6-6. Six and six. I mean, maybe maybe worse than that. Had they not won close games, I mean, Nebraska knows all about that. Went three and nine last year, um, and had a chance to almost to win almost every one of those nine games they lost. I I took a minute to glance back at the analytics from last year's game. The final, as I recall, was twenty seven to twenty two. But when you looked at the top fifteen parameters a year ago, Minnesota won eight of them. We only won six. So again, you know, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to predict the winner. Uh, but the, the amazing example, of course, is getting out outrushed by 225 yards. I will promise you, in every college football game that's played this year, it'll be very rare when anyone gets outrushed by 225 yards and wins the game. Almost unheard of. I just want to say thanks. Uh, I'll get off the line, but just thanks for taking my call and have a good night. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the phone call. All right. Uh, I want to get to this comment before we get to our next caller, Don. Uh, Let me find it here. Tim Clark. Coach Patterson and I go way back. I was offensive manager for five seasons, spent a lot of time around coach. Those were good years. I learned a lot from Coach P. Don, you're nodding your head. You remember Tim. Absolutely. I remember Tim. Tell us about Tim. Well, he was, uh, he was uh, fairly typical of, of what comes to mind for me for the typical Iowa manager. It was very important to him to, to do his job well. Um, you know, I don't know what his compensation was to be a manager, but it certainly wasn't very much for all of the time he gave us. But he recognized the same thing Coach Fry always emphasized. You know, we're all in this together. The players are the ones on the field, but there are a lot of unsung heroes that are helping them to prepare for the game and helping us as coaches. Prepare, prepare for the game. I'll give you a simple example. Uh, my manager, every position coach had a manager, and my manager every day would chart passes thrown in practice, passes thrown to simply be able to tally how many balls were thrown in your direction, how many did you catch, how many did you drop. Uh, and and I, I had those numbers. That was a running tally. I remember one time Gil Brandt was at practice, and a lot of our listeners don't know who Gil Brandt is. But, Corey, I bet you might remember the name. Absolutely. He was the general manager for the Dallas Cowboys at the time. And we had a tight end named Marv Cook, and, and Gil Brandt noticed the manager charting charting plays, and he walked over to him and he said, uh, how's Marv Cook doing? And the manager took a, a break and looked at his chart and said, right now, sir, he's got 110 in a row or something like that. He had, he had caught 110 balls without a drop in that length of time. And Gil Brandt just very – very uh, knowingly nodding his head, like that's kind of what I thought out here. Mark Cook doesn't drop a football, and of course the great ones don't drop a football hardly ever. And um, but the point is, we emphasize it in practice. You know, if a player drops two balls in practice, then then we we know about it, and he knows about it. And it's easy for me. And the example you've heard me give, Corey, if two guys are contesting for playing time. And, and one guy comes in and says, Coach, I don't understand why you're playing Corey ahead of me. One of the things I might say after I glance at the numbers, 
I might say, well, Corey's catching the ball at 96%. You're only catching it at 92. And if his response happened to be, well, that's not very different, Coach, 96 versus 92, I would respond with, as you know, Corey, oh, but it is. I judge you by the ones you drop, not by the ones you catch. Corey's dropping 4%. You're dropping 8 And my way of thinking, that means he's twice the receiver you are because his drop percentage is half as much. So uh, that's that's the kind of stuff managers do. If you work for me as my manager, you were going to chart passes every day. And sometimes the manager wouldn't be sure, is that a drop or not? He knew just to look over at me. And as long as we made eye contact, I would either nod my head up and down, meaning it's a drop, or nod my head sideways, meaning no, it's so I still got to be the final arbiter on whether it was a drop or not, if it was close. If it was obvious, of course, he wouldn't He wouldn't look to me for any advice. He'd simply make the call. So you have fond, fond memories of Tim. Tim was a absolutely guy. Appreciate yep. you sending in his comment here to Coach Patterson. Um, let's get to uh, Shadow Wooken, who's on hold. Uh, we talking to a human or a guinea pig? Uh Okay, it sounds like a human to me. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, pretty good. Uh, a couple things, just quickly right off the gate. Iowa has a history of winning 88% of their games if they score 24 or more points. Under Brian Ferentz, we at uh, 2017, 28. 2018, 31. 2019, 25. 2020, 31. So it doesn't matter if we're scoring 40 points, 60 points. Granted, it's not beautiful by any means, but even when Don was coaching with Hayden, as long as we got 24 points on the game, we usually won. That's historically proven. Go ahead and look. Okay? So when people are talking about Brian and stuff, and it's just so frustrating because if you look at, for example, today, look at Brian in history. We haven't had a good running game, period, like at all. Like, I think our highest is uh, 70th rushing yards in the nation. Okay. 70th. Ranked 70th. Terrible. Okay. You can't yeah. expect any offensive coordinator without pieces to be able to do anything. If you look at today, well, when we come out. Doesn't it fall? Wait a minute. Who's responsible for not having a run game? That would be, I mean, everybody at that point. It's a well, team. Doesn't the buck stop with the offensive coordinator? Don, you were an I offensive mean, coordinator. If, you, if your run game sucked. Every year, didn't the buck stop with you? Wouldn't Hayden have pulled you aside and said, Coach P, we ain't getting it done? Right. Yes, he would have. Uh, I did pull up, Corey, uh, the, our, our national rankings uh, before today. In other words, these are national rankings based on our 10 games. And you know some of these already, but uh, these are all offensive categories. Total offense, 130, as you probably know. Scoring offense, 124. Rush offense, 119. Pass offense, 123. Third down offensive conversions, 126. These are our national rankings. Um, completion percentage, 110. First downs, 130. Actually, we, we actually belong 131 because first downs are only recorded based on number of first downs. We had 139 first downs, but the team behind us with 136 – had only played nine games, not ten. So if you looked at first downs per game, I would reluctantly acknowledge, yeah, we were last in that category. Uh, pass efficiency, 123. Uh, sacks allowed, 116. 
But here's an important category that we actually rank pretty good. Turnovers lost. Going into today's game, we were ranked 44th. So the one thing we're able to do is value the ball. We, we've been doing a good job of that. And that continued. We played all day without a turnover. And thankfully we did because otherwise we might not have won. Plus two on turnovers, as you've heard me say, is a good indication that you you got a great chance to win the game. So I'm assuming to our to our caller here, and I don't know your name because I, I just have a username. Nathan. Nathan, Nathan. So first of all, who's who's on drugs? You're asking, who, are you on drugs? Who are you directing that to? Uh, it was someone asking about uh, the running, uh, how we couldn't stop the running. If you okay. look actually look at the game, uh, the running back had 160 yards on three carries. Riley Moss was inside on his coverage, didn't uh, keep contained. He was inside Evans, actually, if you go back and look at it. Okay. So he had 160 so, yards on three carries. Three rushes. So that would put him at 100 yards. If you looked at it beforehand, the announcers tried to bring it up too. 13 carries for like 30 yards before he had big gash runs. Correct me if I'm is, wrong, though. Aren't those three – I got this. No, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Aren't those three plays part of the game? Yeah, no, they're part of the game. But in the same sense, I'm stating that – like if you look the whole way through, I've stated that we never defend. It's always Iowa defense versus Iowa offense. Iowa defense had a bad day today. It's clean cut, period. Like there's no turning it around. Well, they didn't but have a bad day. Looking, you, you don't you don't say it, you had they had a bad yeah, day. Two hundred and sixty yards rushing is a bad day, period. Like you can't give ten that points. Anyway. Ten points is ten points, granted. But if Iowa right. offense has four hundred yards offense and scores ten points, we're not a good offense. How is it a double standard? It's not a double. That well, is. Next Iowa, the next time Iowa gains 400 yards, you you give me a call back. Well, I'm just curious. What? Why are you so? Why are you so passionate in Brian's defense? Because nobody's it's, it's not Brian. It's not Brian. It's Iowa football. With Hayden Fry, we were spread, offensive minded, with bad defense. Name one good defense we had under Hayden Fry. Oh wait, our offense. You, was you, you shouldn't have said that. Hold yeah. on. Let Don answer. Okay. Let me take on that challenge. Are you aware in 1981, we gave up fewer yards per game than this year's team has given up? What year was that, Hayden Fry? 1981. Yeah, what year? His third year. Third. Three. Third year. Or his third year. Since then, when, yeah. when was it? Well, now you're – hold on. Hold on. No, hold no, on. no. Hold on. That's one we, 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 had, we had a lot of good defenses in those years. But you made it – hold on, though. You made a comment that was quantifiably wrong. You said that Hayden Fry didn't have good defenses, and Don just brought up the 1981. I said overall, Hayden Fry was an offensive-minded coach. Nobody's debating that. That's and true. Kirk Ferentz is a field position coach. It's going to happen the entire way through. The year that we were like what ten and one with Stanzi was the ugliest football I've ever seen in my entire life. I watched these guys since since Fry, and yes, yeah, since Fry, nothing has been really good other than the Brad Banks year. And maybe uh, give or take, maybe one other year. Otherwise, it's been the same thing the whole way through. People are like delusional, thinking this isn't Iowa football. This, to a T, is Iowa football. Ugly, slow, and don't break. Did you say two thousand eight or two thousand nine? What do you mean? You said you said something about Ricky Stanzi. It was, it was I said awful. the year Ricky Stanzi. I didn't say the year. I don't know what year it was, honestly. Okay, so he was they, here. They all blurred together. It was like 2000. I'm guessing 2012, 2013. He was 10 and okay. one. He got hurt before okay. uh, we lost to yeah. Northwestern. He got hurt. 
I got the numbers in front of me. 2008, he started the latter half of that season. They were the 53rd best offense. 2009, they were 89th. 2010, they were 57th. Exactly. Under Brian Brian Ferentz, we've been 117, 92, 99, 88, 124, 130. So 92 and 89, 10 wins, a 10-win season. But this is going to be a 10-win season. Don't know if you knew. But it's going to be 10 wins. We're going to run it. I'm telling okay. you right now, Caleb's going to have, I would say, two 60-yard runs. All okay? right. Against the I hope you're right, brother. I hope you're right. I don't know I why you're so angry at me. I don't know why you're it's so angry you. at me or who I'm you're angry. angry at. You. Well, I understand we're predicting a win in Indianapolis. Is that what we're saying? I'm saying – no, 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 no. I'm saying bowl game. Bowl game. We're going to get some rum for a bowl game. That's where our win's going to be. Well, we can't make it to 10, then, if we don't do that. Yeah, you got to win at the bowl. You, oh, that's you, a good call. So nine win. You're right. It's. I mean, t- I mean, we might be ten if it's Michigan. I think we do. Uh, I don't know. They're hurt. It's hard to say. They didn't look good today. So I don't know. Depends on what offense shows up that day. But the point I'm getting at is we had what 300, 200, 200 yards with Caleb. Now this, if Port- Laporta doesn't get hurt, I. I mean. I really want to know how how this game turns out because he was uh, that was probably one of the best quarters. Uh, I mean, when have we seen a quarter this good in Iowa? Maybe Ohio State the year we blew them out. Uh, I don't know that the first quarter was that. We, we, maybe we were hyping it up a little bit, but it was a good first quarter. No, I'm, I'm saying with one player, one player, one player just completely dominating the game. It was like good other than a running back, of Sam course. Laporta. Yeah, it was a good quarter. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like he yeah, literally was amazing. And like, that's where it's like, if he has a full game and then like the backup, the tight end, they ran the same exact play. They ran to get the big play to start the game at the start of the second half. And he got smashed. I don't know. I, if I, gotta ask, play up, right? I would suggest to you. If Sam ran the play the second half, he might have gotten smashed. Also, yeah. it's called rec- it's called recognition of of what's happened. Yeah, you can't keep running the same play. I get that. Yeah. Like, but my frustration is I was like, oh, a lot of Iowa fans are like, oh, we got to change, got to change, got to change. I didn't see a lot of outside runs. I think if we run outside rather than inside, because Caleb runs a lot better outside the tackles than he does inside the tackles. We have a lot more running yards. Didn't see that at all today, but I'm betting it's because we'll probably see it a lot next week when he has, I would say, two 60-yard runs. But in the same sense, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. Everyone wants change, but I just don't understand how much change do you want from a nine-win, ten-win season? The last time I, I seen let, this, Nebraska, let me answer the question. Let me answer your question. I got, I got to let you slide. I do appreciate you calling in. I'll tell you how much change I want. I want to change at offensive coordinator. That's what I want to change at. From what? That's all I want. From Greg. What? So Greg Davis wasn't good enough. I, I didn't say I wanted Greg Davis. I said no, no, I I'm saying he was number. He was top ten offensive coordinator. What better could we have had? I've never, I never, I've never. When have I ever said anything bad about Greg Davis? So I'm not saying Greg you Davis said it. I'm saying we had a top ten you that looked like parents. What change do you want? And I'm telling you, I want to change at OC. That's it. Like what kind? Like I mean, what what kind of Maybe offense do you want to run? Spread? Like, what are you looking for? Well, I they're not going spread under Kirk Ferentz. We understand Agreed. that. So you you you've got to go with a guy who's proven, experienced. I'm not calling for. Listen, 
there are a lot of candidates out there. We we're talking down the road. Paul Christ was brought up. He's one example who would, I'm not saying I'm leap, leaping for joy if Iowa hires Paul Christ, but you can't tell me that Paul Christ isn't ex, exponentially more qualified. His resume is exponentially more qualified than Brian Ference's. If we're talking about a, a pro style offense, that's all I'm saying. So but I, you have I'm every right system wise, you have every right to, to not want Brian gone and to support you. You have every right to, to feel that way. I'm not ripping you for your take. I'm just answering you where I stand. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is is everyone's wanting to change. Who's gonna fit Iowa football better than the man's son? Because unless you get rid of Kirk, it's still gonna be Iowa football. Right. Well, I gotta let you slide, sir. I appreciate you calling in and I appreciate you supporting the show. I hope you support the show. No, I do. I definitely do. I, I really I really liked your ref take. Like I think that was the right take. Well, I, I appreciate you being here, sir. Thank you for the call. This has become a very, uh, I don't know, these 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 callers are, are getting me riled up, Don. <laughs> I like it. I like maybe it. I argue that you're getting riled up, maybe. <laughs> it, it appears we're riling them up. But I came onto this show in a good mood, and it's all of a sudden people are, you know, I was won how many straight games now, and they're one win away from a conference championship game. And by the way, Don, are we doing another celebration if they uh, they win the West? Uh, what kind of celebration do you have in mind? Well, last year we had a live stream. Remember a live stream celebration when Iowa won the West? Don't you recall oh. this? Uh, a live stream. Well, I'll, I'll listen. I'll refresh your memory when we're off. Okay. The air. But uh, just for the record, people need to understand this. We got football next week. We've got Iowa Clemson basketball, like right at the end of Iowa football. So. They're going to have a, be a lot of content coming that day, folks. I'll just tell you that right now. Let's get to our next caller who's been on the phone line on hold. Thank you for calling Iowa Post Game with Coach Don Patterson, who's on the line. Zach, how's it going, Corey? Good. How are you, Zach? Another win. A win is a win. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> they, they may not win pretty, but they win. So and I won't be contentious. <laughs> that they do. Yep. No, couldn't say it any better. Um, my only questions, I know I did post one in the chat, but the only two questions I had about the game was uh, on the third and one with a minute left. I, you know, maybe coach Don can at, can, can answer this as well is why they may not run a sneak instead of handing the ball off um, and potentially having a, a, a fumble or anything like that. And even, I mean, I'll give them credit on the fourth and one in the first quarter. Cause that was a, that was a gutsy call, which worked. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I'd be interested to know about that, that, that third down call. And what was the whole timeout before the last kick? Were we really icing our own kicker? I don't know what Brian saw there, Don, but boy, had that co- next kick gotten blocked. Can you imagine the back, the, the backlash had Drew Stevens missed that kick or had gotten blocked after you, not only do you see Kirk make the timeout, and then they show the other angle where Brian is yelling for the timeout. Well, they made a comment, but it was never confirmed. The announcer said something about, I think I would take a timeout because they only had 10 10 players on the field. I don't know if that's true or not. I I didn't back it up and look at it. I don't believe that's true. Then then why was there a timeout? I, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that either. It was a little bit odd the way it all played out. I, I got the impression we took a timeout because we were about to mess up, meaning maybe 
maybe 10 players on the field. Uh, incidentally, I don't think there's a rule against playing with 10. You just can't play with 12. <laughs> but, uh, obviously, if you play with 10, you might get a field goal block because you got a short edge. Uh, I didn't notice that we had 10. I didn't go back and look at the video later either. But I don't know why a timeout was taken. It was a little bit bizarre that it was. But the whole the whole game, the way it turned out there in the last few minutes of the game was unusual to say the least in a lot of different ways. Yeah, especially since the first kick went straight through the uprights, right down the middle. <laughs> Incidentally, that second kick was barely inside the uprights. Yeah, exactly. But and this was, this was barely outside the one that missed. Yeah, some days you feel like you're meant to win. And today uh, it seemed like we were meant to win the game, so we did. The only way you can deal with disappointing losses, if imagine if you're in Minnesota's shoes right now, one way you can deal with it is to simply say, I believe the football guys today didn't want us to win. You know, it sounds silly to rationalize that way, but otherwise you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to figure out how we lost a football game when we shouldn't have lost. I understand that the Minnesota fans feel that way, and justify, justifiably so. Yep, and and you know, first question: Would, would you have coached down? Would you have run a sneak on that third and one with a minute left, or you know, because it just seemed like that they almost did fumble, but luckily the play he was down. I wish I could remember exactly what the clock said at that point in time. Um, how did the clock go down in that last minute? Were they were they burning timeouts to stop the clock at that point? Yeah, I think remember. it was maybe a minute. Minute eight or minute ten left because Minnesota had just gone out of timeouts, and it was third and one at the was it the three or four yard line? Yeah, maybe so. To be honest with you, I would have been tempted to line up and kick it on third down. And I'll tell you why: if you're kicking on third down and you muff the snap, what do you do? You simply fall on the ball and then go again on fourth down. Right. So there actually is an argument for kicking it on third down, not waiting to fourth down. I realize that gives them a few more seconds to play with, and maybe they had to burn a timeout after our failed third down attempt. I guess they probably did. So it would have played out differently, but just realizing how cold it was, you know, I always worry. I don't worry too much about the snapper, but I worry about the holder. You know, his hands are probably a little bit on, on the cool side, and um, thankfully it didn't matter. You know, we got the ball down. Incidentally, I would say this, Corey, those, those two muffs snaps out of the gun – the first time I would put the blame not on the center, I put that blame squarely on Spencer. Spencer yeah. did, did not look that ball in. If you go back and look at it, his eyes are not trained on the football when the ball hits his hands. You know, and, and the message there for any quarterback is is don't take anything for granted. The ball was a little off target, I'll admit. It was a little bit over to one side, but it was very definitely uh, a case of he, him. He should be able to feel it. The second one, there's no doubt that was a bad snap. And uh, Spencer did the right thing in both cases. He simply fell on the ball. But one reason we didn't run the ball better, those two snaps accounted for minus 21. So there's 20 yards off our rushing total right there on those two snaps. Anything else, Zach? Uh, nope. Uh, it's great listening to the show. Glad Floyd's coming back home. And uh, hopefully uh, Friday we'll be hopefully celebrating maybe another Big Ten West title. Amen, brother. 
Appreciate the call, yep, sir. Have a great holiday. Take care. Bye. All right. Everything's going well, Don. <laughs> I made I made this comment during the game, Corey. This is in the first half. I simply said, "Very few possessions must make them count." I just checked to see. Uh, Minnesota only had nine possessions in the game. We had ten, but the last one doesn't really count because it was with three seconds left. We took a knee, so we both really only had nine possessions. Uh, that's what happens when two ball control offenses show up against each other. Uh, they had a lot of um, more than 10 play drives. It seems like we had some some lengthy drives, too, in terms of time of possession. We both did a good job of chewing up clock. I want to take a moment to thank Brad Van Meter and his team down in State Farm. They've been in business since 1999. They offer products border to border across the state of Iowa three fully licensed team members to help Brad navigate through the complex insurance world. And boy, isn't that the truth? They offer auto home renters, business and life insurance. They're part of a company. That's the largest auto insurance company in the country. Largest insurance company in the country. Give Brad and his team a call. 515-256-6480. All right. Um, I got a couple. We got Yakov 22 and Clay. Clay, your device is not connected. If you could get your mic fixed before you jump on here, we'll get you here uh, very soon. I've got a couple of uh, questions that I want to get behind on in the chat. I am behind. But if we could give, maybe go somewhat rapid fire on these, Don. Okay. Uh, the outlaw Josie Wales says, your evaluation of Petrus today, is he progressing sufficiently? Don, I'll just say this real quick and then I'll let you go. Um, I thought he was good. Um, thought he made the, the the right throws. I did appreciate the. I do appreciate the fact that Brian is calling more slants, including to his receivers. And even when we're running slants to Laporta, we are running slants, and you're and you're getting the ball out of the uh, out of Petrus's hands quickly, and not allowing that pocket to collapse. You're perhaps kind of making up for a deficient offensive line and and pass uh, protection unit, if you will. Uh, but I thought it was good on Brian for helping Spencer today in the play calling. Your thoughts on Spencer? I do think that Spencer's demonstrated here in the last few games. He's he's figured out that it's all about location and not about velocity. He's put the balls in very catchable positions in most cases, uh, and he's taken a little pace off the ball to make it a little easier to catch. Uh, today, twice, he gunned the ball. One of them was to Reganey, the one that – the, the switch route that I talked about that, that skipped off his fingertips. And the other one, what was the other one? It was late in the game. I don't know if I have the exact play written down. But, but he over, um, it was a ball over the middle. He overthrew a receiver. He, he gunned the ball. The ball sailed a little bit, went high. Remember the play I'm talking about, Corey? It was in the fourth quarter, as I recall. We're not talking about the Regani play. Which play are we no. talking about? I thought it came after Regani, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't have it written down, so I'm not sure. Yeah, he he, he didn't. I thought the throw to Lashawn uh, when they were backed up in their own uh, against their own end zone throw to I think it was in, back there in their own red zone. Uh, the throw to Lashawn was a bit high. Um, there was a throw that got uh, uh, the Minnesota defense made a nice play. On, I think it was in the first half. Minnesota didn't play uh, defender made a nice play on the ball, but that was thrown behind. Uh, the Iowa tight end. I don't remember if it was Lachey or Laporta. So it wasn't like he, he played perfectly. And I'm I'm certainly you got to be happy with this. You got to be happy with the fact that 
Spencer was not put in a position. If had Mo Ibrahim not fumbled, Minnesota was going to kick a field goal and be up by three, and the pressure would have been on Spencer Petrus and the offense to move the ball down the field in the fourth quarter. Right. So we still have not seen Spencer do that uh, right. in a big moment like that. So, I mean, people want to say, oh, you're fortunate for getting that fumble or the, uh, yeah, the fumble from Ibrahim uh, and certainly the the Jack Campbell uh, interception, right? So Jack Campbell, am I correct in saying, am I getting two plays mixed up? Now, who recovered the fumble? That was Craig, correct? Uh, yes. And then Jack was- Campbell caused the fumble and okay. Deontay recovered it. Caught the caught the uh, interception off the Riley Moss deflection. So I agree. I mean, he, he he did what he needed to do. Do I think he's the second coming of Kenny Pickett? No, but he's getting, I think, he's not turning the ball over. I can tell you that, Don. Right. One reason we're able to, to find a way to win these games is because Spencer's played better. No doubt about it. Uh, is there room for improvement? Yeah, he can, he can play better still, but the bottom line is he has done a good job of not getting us beat. He's done a good job of helping us win these games. And uh, if you're calling in, by the way, on the phone line, I just had somebody call in. I put you on hold. If I if you call in, you're going to hear the show for a couple of seconds, and then you're going to hear nothing. That's because you're on hold. So don't hang up because then you lose your place in line. So call back if you're trying to reach us and you just tried to call in, hung up. Call back. We'll get you on here. Uh, let's get to uh, Hyper Local. He says, did Caleb Johnson get hurt? Uh, you know, why isn't he playing more? I don't have an answer to that. Ray asked the same question. What happened to Caleb Johnson in the fourth quarter? Is it an injury? Again, maybe a better question for most certainly a better question for Kirk, but it does confound me a bit that we're not seeing more of Caleb Johnson, especially after he, how well he played there in a stretch of a couple of games, albeit against a a Purdue defense. that was not very good. Um, Let's get to our next caller. Clayton Clay. Welcome back, sir. Evening guys. How are we doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. I just listened to the call today. Do we think, as Iowa fans, we're getting a little pampered with the great defensive performances we're seeing? And maybe today they didn't quite perform to the level we've seen before, and now we've got a few people up in arms? Well, again, when is when is Iowa ever an absolutely dominant rush defense team, Don? I mean, did they stop the run well? Yeah. But they also have games where they give up a lot of rush yards. I brought up the 2017 game against Saquon Barkley. He ran all over them. I mean, last year against Wisconsin, Braylon Allen ran all over Iowa. Um, am I wrong on this, Don? Well, Blake Corum had his way with us this year. We could right. not get off the field against against Michigan, much like we couldn't get off the field today. And so did Chase Brown. But, Correct. But, but the Iowa defense still held Illinois to nine and held Minnesota to ten. And to me, those are winning numbers, Clay. And it's all about mental toughness. You know, even though we give up yards, even though we have difficulty getting off the field on third and short, um, and they sustain drives, but usually before they get in the end zone, something good happens. Maybe it's an interception. Maybe it's a fumble. Maybe it's a missed field goal. Those things all come into play. Let's not forget, I'm pretty sure when they missed the field goal, that was probably another decent drive that ended up at zero points. No, we had a. I thought we had a few missed tackles today, than more missed tackles than usual, but more that, than normal. That, that man's not easy to tackle either. So no, he is not. I gotta no, call you out too, Corey. Oh, go ahead, Don. Sorry. I was just gonna say he's a beast. He really is. He's a good back. I gotta call you out, Corey. I believe I called in after the Ohio State game, 
and I asked you, were we more likely to win the rest of the games or lose the rest of the games? Do you remember that? I I, I do, and and honestly, I would stand by that. But I didn't. You you asked me what was more likely. I thought it was more likely that they would lose out, but sometimes the the uh, probabilities fall in your favor. Not the probabilities, but the the numbers fall in your favor. And uh, Kirk deserves credit for that. I don't think they were. I don't think I'm the only one that that felt that way. But I was. I appear to be dead wrong because they're going to be heavy favorites next week against Nebraska. But you're right. And thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to see him win a West title? I, I know you're concerned if if we get enough wins that we won't see change. Do you want to see them? Of course, win I West want. And- of, of, of course, I want to see them win. Uh, yes, I, I don't want them to not win. What I've simply expressed in the past is what a lot of fans have expressed that it is possible that with a West Division championship, Don, you've even said this, with nine wins, it might be incentive for Iowa to stand pat with the staff. And I'm not saying you're endorsing change, but I'm just saying in general, isn't Kirk has fallen back on that. Earlier this year, he was asked about midseason changes, and he said, well, we won 10 games last year. He didn't say, well, we were the 123rd ranked offense in the country last year. No, he said, we won 10 games. So right. that's what he uses to evaluate his staff and certainly Gary Barda has not proven to evaluate the staff any differently. So that is that is a concern. Do I want them to win? Yes. But uh, you also want what's best for Iowa long term. But we'll see. I, I have hopes that because the offense has gotten marginally better, in, in my opinion, marginally better. Um, the offense was good in the first quarter, but they gained, I think it was Brando, and I'll trust Tim Brando on this stat. Tim Brando stated that, uh, and I'd have to look back at the box score, that after that first quarter, the Iowa offense gained a total of 114 yards for the game. So they had a really good first quarter. But then I read the the drive results after that. It's still not good. And I just feel we've given Brian a, a plenty of time to figure it all out. So I is still I still stand by the, the take that I had much earlier in the year that Iowa needs to move on from Brian Ferentz. But I do wonder if that will happen if Iowa wins the West. Certainly, if they would win the Big Ten, <laughs> I, I think that's obviously jumping the gun. If they win the West, and that means eight wins, um, worst they could do would be eight and six, right? They could do eight and six with a bowl loss. But if they win eight games, that's going to be a calling card for Kirk Ferentz to keep Brian Ferentz on the staff. Who do you guys think we match up better out of with the? Winner of the East. Who would you guys rather see? Can I take that one, Corey? Go ahead. Well, I just confirmed what you said. I would rather play Michigan. I'll tell you why. Ohio State, in under perfect conditions, is a really scary proposition. Michigan has proven that they are not as reliable with the passing game as Ohio State. And Ohio State's defense is better than what it's been in recent years. I would think we would have a better chance to knock off Michigan. I have to disagree with you, Don. I'm sorry. You're the expert. I understand. You're, but I, you're more than welcome to do that. <laughs> I thought Let me hear your rationale because I think my rationale is going to be better. Go ahead. <laughs> I thought the defense played better against Ohio State than it did against Michigan. And I know, obviously, Ohio State scored more points, but that's because they had five, six turnovers or whatever it was. Well, wait a minute. I, now. In the second half, I think they earned all four of those touchdowns. I don't think we helped them much at all. Most of those turnovers came in the first half. Go back and look. 
Uh, we had a turnover in the first play of the second half, and then we had another okay, interception. We did have two. We in in Clay's defense, Alex Padilla was responsible. Well, partially responsible for two uh, turnovers in the second half. Don, there's a fumble on the snap on the first play from scrimmage in the second half, and then the the interception down on their own side of the field. But no one would accuse us of playing great defense in the second half. At halftime, I said that was an example of great defense. We didn't play well on defense. We played great. I don't think it was bad in the second half. I thought Ohio State just really played well. Correct. You did at a really high. And I suspect time. they'll have a they'll have a good chance to really play well in Indianapolis under perfect conditions too. Hence, I'd rather take on the Wolves. I agree. Yeah. With, I agree with Don for for that reason. I I just I look at how Clay. I look at how C.J. Stroud executes, and I haven't. I didn't watch him against Northwestern. I didn't watch him today against Maryland. But just take that second half against Iowa, for instance. Uh, he's a guy who can single-handedly beat you. Um, they've got the best receivers in the country. I compare him to J.J. McCarthy, who struggled at times today to hit his receivers. And they're not as deep as Ohio State is. So I think Ohio State's going to win next week, for the record. And so I, I think agree. we'll get Ohio State. But I, I would rather play Michigan. I thought we moved the – I mean – other than the turnovers, I thought we moved the ball a little bit better against Ohio State than Michigan as well. But I'll leave you with – I've got one more challenge for you, Don, that I'm going to jump out. If you're a big stats guy, I would challenge you to find a game in which Iowa won getting the differential in the running game as high as it was. So I think – what was it, 220 or 230 or something? 225. I'd challenge you to find another game Iowa's won in the last you know, 25, 30 years that – it's been that higher. I would agree with you. The odds of winning a game if you're down 225 yards in rushing are slim and none. They really are. It wouldn't surprise me if it hadn't happened in 20 years. But let me let me tell you, let me, Clay brings up a good point, Don. This is where I was flat out wrong. Three weeks ago, I was asked the question, is there a better chance they lose out or win out? And I said lose out. So does that make me a hater? Does that make me a no hater? Should I change my should I change should I change my channel name down here to uh, from the hater of the storm? <laughs> I don't think that's going to help your listenership at all, Corey. I'd, I'd recommend not doing that. All right, we got that's a call on hold. We got several people on the phone lines. Uh, we've got um, Paul on hold. Jacob twenty two. Vincent OS for Hawks. We've got a caller on our phone line. First of all, fast outdoor food. Don, how to fix the offense. It's a loaded question, Don. Um, we've talked about it before. I don't know if you want to address this now. Um, we've discussed well, this. Issue. Yeah, we could. There are any number of things that come to mind for me. Uh, one thing that would come to mind is simply, and I think we're, we're making strides in the right direction. You heard me uh, harp about, about game planning, Corey, and using imagination to put together your plan from one week to the next. I think we're doing some of that because I do see plays that we ran today that we hadn't run before. That's a good sign. And some of them did work. Some of them didn't. But you could see the argument for running it. A simple example would be that switch route. That was a good thought. You know, if we'd, if we'd just given um, Nico a little better ball, he would have probably caught it. And, again, I've already said you could, you could certainly classify that as a drop. Difficult chance, but – it's the kind of play that Nico might make, that's for sure. Uh, that comes to mind. The other thing that comes to mind for me, uh, school the quarterback so they can get out of bad plays. 
you've heard me talk about that. I don't know that we check out at all anymore. Doesn't appear that we do. Uh, so if something's clearly wrong, you need to have have a way of attacking. I'll say it this way: if they're clearly playing man coverage, loading the box, you need to have the freedom from a quarterback standpoint of getting us into a better play. Uh, you know, our mentality used to be: if you're going to come after us, by that I mean simply loading the box, daring us to throw, that we're going to attack you back. And we have games to prove it. Let's. All I have to do is go back. Remember the the infamous. Freedom Bowl against Texas, University of Texas. We, uh, the listeners may not know this, but we were lined up to go to the Cotton Bowl the year before, except the University of Texas told the Cotton Bowl, no, we're not playing Iowa. And they were right. They played a, a Georgia team that they beat in the Cotton Bowl, and their goal was to win a national championship. I'll take that back. They lost to Georgia in, in the Cotton Bowl. But they wanted to play Georgia because if they won out, if they won the Cotton Bowl – and some other team lost, which they did, they had an outside chance to win the national title. Uh, Texas lost that game that day because they muffed a punt, and it, and Georgia ran a 10-yard touchdown drive to win the game. One year later, we got to play Texas uh, after that, that disappointment of not playing in the Cotton Bowl, and the, the verdict speaks for itself. It was 55-17, but here's the rest of the story, Corey. We didn't score in the fourth quarter. We had 55 points after three quarters of play. Why? Because we got good man beaters. And and University of Texas saw most of them on that day. Saw a lot of them. Too many to count, that's for sure. All right, let's get to um, our super sticker. Pugmaster, appreciate the super sticker. And for being here, Cole says, Brian's going to get an extension at this rate. Um. Joe, appreciate you hitting the like button. Yes, if you're here, folks, please hit that like button while you're here. We've got, uh, between the two channels, we've got just short of 500 people watching right now as we speak. Please hit that like button, the thumbs up button below this description. Please hit that thumbs up. I think it's below the description. (laughs) I should know that. But please hit the like button. Do appreciate that. And uh, Erica says that was a pick six by uh, Jack Campbell. So obviously I'm in the minority and saying that... uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it was. I, I just did angle. I, I didn't like the angle, and I trust the official there. We'll never um, know. This guy says, uh, Corey, get some sleep, bud. You look tired. Do I look tired, Don? Looks to me like you're ready to take on the world. I know. I mean, I'm. you know, my day's just getting started. <laughs> um, Alaska Huff. Alaska Huff. Appreciate you being a uh, – this gentleman has reached out to me before, Don. He uh, is a big Hawkeye fan, lives up in Alaska. And I see he's now a premium member. So thank you to uh, Alaska Huff. He says, I was surprised that we didn't do a QB sneak on third and one at the two-yard line with a minute left. Anyways, what a huge relief to get out of there with the win. And Stacy brings up icing his own kicker. Corey, do we just witness old man Winter try to ice his own kicker? Um, and finally, fast outdoor food. Don, off topic, but Corey has mentioned Proctor is Iowa's biggest recruit in history. Didn't Hayden have number one Willie Guy and ESPN Player of the Year can't call after a Colorado transfer? Is that correct? Willie Guy was uh, in some circles labeled as the number one prospect that year. Uh, I guess I don't remember for sure that Kent started off at Colorado. That sounds right. I do know that Kent Call was uh, he was a very good football player, and we're glad he was on our side. Um, and the same can be said for Willie. Willie didn't achieve as people hoped he would, but let's face it, if you're the number one recruit in the country, 
the expectations are a little bit off the charts. So Willie did the best he could. He was a good player, but not a great player. And we love him for just being as good as he can be. All right, let's get to Jakob22, who's been on hold. Jakob, how you doing, sir? Hi, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, well, Corey, I'll have to confess, as you know, Ohio State played the same time as Iowa. So I, I watched five, ten plays. But during the week, I go back and watch a whole bunch of games, the the condensed version, not not two hour, you know. Yeah. Three hundred hours. Maybe I'll promise. I, I'll promise you guys that I will watch the Iowa game uh, start to finish in the thirty-two minute version. Um, so I can't. I, admittedly, I'm not going to ask anything specific about the game because what do I have to say? But um, actually, Coach, I wanted to ask you a question. But I first wanted to tell you something I just found out. Literally, my dad and I were talking about it yesterday. I said I'm going to call Coach Patterson about this. My I didn't know this, but well, my my father went. Uh, you know, I grew up in Ohio, but he went to a medical school. 1968 to 72 in Philadelphia. I never knew this, but they, my mom and my dad and my mom's parents, my grandparents attended the 1972 Army Navy game in a JFK Stadium. I believe that would have been your senior season. That's true. Yeah, I'm just looking it up right now. You guys, you guys won the game. And we did. Uh, we beat Navy three out of four. Yes, I, I saw that. Yeah, you guys, I, I was never aware of your personal record, but three out of four. And I asked him, do you remember the PA announcer they were ever saying, Don Patterson on the tackle, or or anything to that extent. No, he, he, I don't. Re- I don't recall then. Uh, well, if you were on the tackle, they probably they probably called your name out, but you know they, they didn't know you fifty years ago. Well, they, they still don't technically, so they, they didn't recall if your name ever got you know said over the, the PA there. And uh, at the side point there, three weeks later, they they went to the nineteen seventy three, well January first seventy three Rose Bowl, Ohio, number two Ohio State against number one USC, and uh, USC won the game by a lot. It was 42-17, and they were national champs. They were, they were number one, Ohio State was number two. And uh, side point, Keith Jackson said that that 72 uh, USC team was the, the best team he ever saw in his almost 50 years of college football. So I know that has nothing to do with Iowa football. I just thought it was a continuation of what my, my parents you know, did that year. Um, but, but, Coach, my, I had a quick question – before I before I uh, start listening to your show, I listened to Ryan Day's press conference. Yeah, I'm not, mm-hmm. not here to talk about high state football, but it's just about something in general. They were asked some of the questions. People were asking, like, what do you think about the guard play, the offensive guard play? You know, uh, what do you think about the you know, some of the usual questions? Uh, were you happy with how, how much space the receivers were, were getting? Of course, defensive questions too. But when you guys are, are watching on the sideline, you know, I know that's not such a great view there. And, and the reporter asks you after the game, and I'll, I'll assume that you're trying to give an honest answer. How, how were you able to assess during the game? Yeah, the guards were good. I liked the way the receivers were running routes. I liked our press pro by the by the running by the running backs. Um, it seems like there's so much to see at a game level. That how do you guys properly answer that question when, when you're asked that type of thing? I don't think you really can properly answer it. That's why you see so often you see coaches say. Uh, I'll have to get back to you. After I look at the game video, I'll be able to tell you. But during the game itself, there's no way a coach can be that effective from the sideline. I I would say if you're in the press box, you have a chance to, if you're responsible just for a a specific small group of players, you might have a good idea of how they play, of course, because you have a better vantage point. But from the sidelines, it's very difficult to tell, if not impossible. Okay, that's a never, never yeah. I, first coach I ever got to ask that. Coach, great answer. And another question I want to ask, coach, is when you, I know you spent many years in the box as an offensive coordinator, 
you know, us fans, we tend to watch the ball. We we watch the quarterback hold it. When we're watching if he throws it, or watching the running back. When you're when you're calling the game, are you are you looking at the line? Or are you looking at, at the how the receivers are doing downfield? How do you how do you watch the game as the play unfolds? Yeah, I typically didn't zero in on the line because we had a guy upstairs that was assisting the offensive line coach on the sideline specifically with how his guys were playing. So uh, he was a big assist to me because I didn't have to zero in on them, which gave me a chance to watch the perimeter of play, you know, to watch the wide receivers and the running backs and the quarterbacks. Right. And, and then also have an idea of how the DBs and the linebackers are playing. So not so much to zero in on the, on the defensive or offensive front, but to zero in on everybody else. Okay. Okay. Well, Thank you, Coach. I, I uh, never uh, – again, I'm sorry I couldn't ask anything specific about the game because I didn't see it. I will watch it this week. Um, I you know, appreciate it, Coach. I learned something a lot. You know, I always learn a lot about football when I, when I get a chance to either ask you personally or just you know, hear you speak to the other callers and or just talk to Corey. Corey, well, one thing I'll ask you is um, the, 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 game, the guys in Vegas, we both know those are – we all know those are smart guys. They said that uh, – that um, you're over under winter, your, your win total this year, seven and a half. If you win next week, it's eight. You beat their win total. So you could, would you say, Hey, it's a successful, it's a above average, very successful, well, pretty successful season. We out, we did better than what the smart guys in Vegas said. So great. It's a great Actually, That's a great topic. Is this yeah. a successful season? If Iowa wins against Nebraska, Don, because last year I said, after they won the West, it's a successful season. Because I hadn't been able to win the West since 2015, I I don't know how to answer that, Yago 22. I mean, it's obviously uh, opinion, right? It's just conjecture and opinion. Right. Um, if they win the West this year, but get killed in the Big Ten championship game, I will I, I will not go so far to say it's a success, because I think what you have to do to consider this a success, I would hope, is to take a step beyond what happened last year. And yes, yeah. you're not going to be able to do that with win total. But they can do it by competing and maybe winning the Big Ten championship game this year. Because they got killed last year by 39, as you know. So yeah. if they can be competitive and make that a game, yes. But if they get killed 50 to 10, no. I mean, to me, that's not a successful season. Last year it would have been, but you want to take a step forward. And, and Kirk Ferentz has got to win a, a conference championship. He hasn't won a conference championship here since, what, 2004? Right. So... And that was a shared title. So it, it, the time is now. At twenty-four years into his, twenty-three years into his uh, reign here, it was a fairly, uh, at least on paper, a fairly uh, uh, difficult uh, schedule. So winning eight games is is, yes, is. fairly good. I mean, you played Ohio State and Michigan, and your other crossovers were I, I forget, but um, I think Rutgers. And, and I'll yeah. say this too: if we're equating that. I think eight wins this year, you could argue, is equivalent to ten wins last year because last of the, year your win total was eight and a half, I believe. You beat it by by. You know, but the West was better last year, so it was harder to win. Harder to win ten games. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. So the crossover yeah. division, uh, the crossover schedule was weaker last year, but the West division as a whole was stronger. So take that for what you will. Iowa didn't have to. Iowa's opponents last year were uh, Penn State, who was good but not great. They ended up 7-6. and six. Right. Indiana, who was awful. All right. And then, of course, uh, who am I missing, Don? Who was the uh, – Maryland? 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 
Yeah, Maryland, who was yeah. who was deep. They were. I mean, they were, they ended up seven and six. They were just as good as Penn State. Well, they, they gave me some Maylock moments today. They, we, were, we were a little nervous against Maryland. Yeah, um, Maryland yeah. used us last year. Turned it over, I believe, seven times, wasn't it? Some ridiculous. Yeah, yeah they, they gave you guys, you know, put the ball on the ground a couple times or interceptions. I can't remember, but yeah. Um, Corey, last thing I'll ask you is this is almost a silly question. I know Iowa, famous for corn. Do they at, the, at uh, Kinnick, do they sell corn on a stick or corn on a grill? Is that, is that okay. a delicate? At Kinnick? At Kinnick? Yeah. I don't believe they do that, Don. Do they sell, they sell it at the Iowa State Fair? They, they sell okay. corn on a stick at the Iowa State Fair. But they also, I'm not sure. They I, also I sell- Don doesn't frequent the. Yeah, yeah, when I get into my seats, I don't get up until the game's over. Oh, I thought, you watched, I thought they allowed. I thought you got to watch the game from the booth, Coach. Oh no, we sit out in the crowd. Really? Okay. Because I know you all you take notes, so I, I figured you must have a. Uh, well, like, I just take. I don't. I don't write down things during the game. I, I make mental notes, but of course that's kind of hit and miss. But I've done it both ways. We've sat upstairs sometimes as as guests of different people, but truthfully. I'd rather sit out in the crowd. Okay. You get a real feel for the game. Yeah. Now I say that I'd have to qualify it. Maybe if if the wind chill is um, minus five or something, I'd have to qualify it. We'll, we'll have to see what the weather is next week, Coach. Do the you, forecast, you I believe, is mid thirties and sunny, dry. Coach, so we're gonna they, we're gonna be okay on Friday. As an alum of the coaching staff, do they let you watch the all twenty-two during the week so you could evaluate things? They would if I wanted to, but I, I don't take the time to do that. I really okay. don't. Okay. I crunch uh, the numbers, and that's it. That okay. takes long enough to do that. Yeah, I thought maybe you, you based it on, on that, but I guess there's no reason the, the numbers don't require all 22 of you. Well, you know, studying video is very time-consuming, and I, right. I'm not going to commit that kind of time to it. Well, you know, they're doing it for a living, so – yeah. Let's let those guys continue to do so. But you, you put in forty plus years, coach. You, you crunched enough video. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you that. Time served. That's true. Uh, guys, thank you. I'm gonna keep you guys a little bit and keep watching UCLA, USC, and and you guys. I'll do a little book. You have a score. A score on SC. I believe it's fourteen seven. SSC. Yeah. Uh, UCLA. They're uh, they're hanging tough. They they had some nice. No, they have some nice friends. Nice, Finally, there's a lot of people in the uh, oh, sorry, it's 2110. I, yeah, I got confused for a second. It's 2110. And uh, just so you know, South Carolina is right now taking it to Tennessee 35 24. So, a lot of, a lot of happenings. I know you guys are focusing on Iowa, but and, well, that uh, brings up a good point. What about the number three and number four seeds, number three and number four ranked teams right now, winning only with last second field goals? Michigan, I, I, I was cheering hard for I, you know, in Illinois, but. I'm telling you, Quorum got hurt, and uh, they had no they had no offense. Right now, I, I'm not sure if they have a better offense than Iowa. I'm not using that to, to put them down, put Iowa down, but their their running backs are out. And uh, coach, I, I think uh, it's easy for me to take shots at Coach Harbaugh, but he is turning a five star. It doesn't mean he's going to be great, but that guy was a five star recruit. Sometimes it doesn't always mean that you're a future NFL player, but they've turned him into a uh, a game manager. Well, I can see why you say that. Um, you know, it's not really fair for anybody to be labeled with five stars. You know, yeah, the truth know. of it is, sure. the truth it's, of it is, it's hard to hard to satisfy everyone if you have that kind of rating. Yeah, I can. I'm sure a lot of Michigan fans are disappointed with their quarterback. Some of it's based on he was a, he's a great athlete in high school. Of course, you could you could run. You know, you're, you're probably the 
better than the defensive backs and you could get a lot of yards that way. Or if you just have a, a cannon, you could fire it in there and, you know, the defensive backs aren't going to do it, which the college is not going to work that way. So um, if, if that was the case, then the all-time greatest quarterback would have been Jeff George. You know, he had the, <laughs> the strongest arm ever. He should have been the best quarterback ever. But um, I'm not saying it's terrible, but it was not, it's more than just about that. You're right. He could spin a ball. I remember watching Jeff George play a high school game in Indiana, you know. Did you guys he recruit could, him? He could definitely spin. Corey, I know I'm talking too much, Corey, but I, I. But did you guys recruit Jeff George? Were you guys? Were you guys close? He's from Indiana, so you must have been close. Well, I think we, I think we at least made an attempt, but he had other ideas about where to go to school, and that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I was not for everyone. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, he went to Illinois. It's, uh, it's, I guess, you know, somewhat similar, but not, not really. But, um, gentlemen. I know you have a lot of people going on. As much as I'm enjoying this, I'll let you uh, do that, and I'll split my time here, my split, split screens now. Thank you, Yaka. Appreciate the phone call, sir. Okay. Bye, guys. Take care. All right. Moving right along here, we've got, let's see, Paul. We've got our caller on on the phone. We've got OS for Hawks and Vincent. Hang tight, everybody. Let's get to Paul. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, good evening, fellas. Good evening, coach. Hi, Paul. How are you? Um, fantastic, man. We, we, we brought Floyd home again. Yes, we did. All right. Uh, what I wanted to ask was, uh, <clears throat> in the first half there, uh, the offense was clicking, right? You know, uh, I, I thought Brian came out with a great game plan. We hit that middle tight end screen, you know, on the first play of the game. Uh, went for, what, 50, 57, whatever it went for. Um, you know, the, the drive... <clears throat> the drive ended up in three, but, uh, you know, Iowa got out to uh, the 10-point the lead. Um, you know, Minnesota did answer. Um, they got us in that that <clears throat> the, the the third and 20 situation, but that was the result of the, the fumbled snap, um, and, and, you know, we, we didn't really recover from that. Uh, you know, if, if Iowa seemed like, if, if we didn't have those miscues in the first half, we were sort of on our way to a 13 to 17 point lead. Um, and had that been the case, maybe uh, it, it gets Minnesota out of their ability to, to run the ball. So well, I have really had a chance to run away with this thing. Um, they just didn't get an opportunity to because uh of some miscues in the first half, but I thought, I really thought the play calling was excellent. I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I thought we had some, uh, a good start to our game and play calling had something to do with it. <clears throat> I said this at halftime. I said, well, we won the first quarter, hands down. Have to say, have to admit that Minnesota won the second quarter. As a result, it's 10 7. It's back to a one score game and it's anybody's game. So I give the, I give the Gophers credit for bouncing back in that second quarter. Uh, but we won. We won the first and fourth quarters, and statistically, those are more important than the second and third, and that proved to be the case today too. And uh, I, I did want to ask you, as a, you know, you're, you're an offensive guy. Um, the the two weeks prior to the Wisconsin game, uh, I thought Iowa was doing a lot of pre-snap motion, moving the tight ends uh, across the formation, the jet sweep motion. that we, we didn't really run a lot of that last week against Wisconsin. We sort of brought it back today against Minnesota. Um, does that have something to do with the four-man front that 
you know, versus the the, the odd front Wisconsin runs. Um, it just seems like Iowa's offense kind of clicks a little bit better when when we're doing those pre-snap motions. Yeah, I think one reason you didn't see much at all of it last week against Wisconsin was the fact that it was three-down football. So you had those outside linebackers that are what we call overhang players. You know, one is outside the tight end. The other one on the split side, of course, is lined up over air. And the the fact that they're in a two-point stance in almost every case, it's easy for them to see the motion man coming, the fly sweep coming, and it's easy for them just to be on the safe side to run up the field in anticipation of needing to tackle that fly sweep. So that's one reason you don't see us handing the ball off on fly sweep versus a five-man front or a three-down football, as we call it. Same thing. It's a 5-2 alignment, you know, if you look at it. you got five guys on the ball, two of which are standing up on the line of scrimmage. And they're both smaller, lighter players, so it's not hard for them to run up the field and take away the fly sweep if there is one. Last question, and I'll, I'll get off of here. Um, next week against Nebraska, uh, their, their defense is not um, nearly as good as you know, Wisconsin's defense or, or, uh, or Minnesota's defense, which, uh, you know, at least in terms of rating, right? So what does Iowa need to do um, this Friday on a short week to um, be successful against the Cornhuskers to bring home the West title? Well, we're both short on time. As you know, the game's played on Friday. So the first thing that comes to mind for me, uh, you have to be sure that you take care of all the basics, and that simply means – Whatever you call on Friday, be sure that you don't beat yourself. So we're back to eliminating turnovers, you know, gaining some kind of edge on turnovers, eliminating penalties. Of course, today there was not a single flag all day, right? What are the odds of that? No flag on either team. Makes me wonder if they forgot their flags and left them in the locker room. It's unusual when there's not a flag. But, um, you know, we, generally we do a good job of not beating ourselves. We limit our penalties. We protect the ball well on offense. We generate turnovers on defense. Our kicking game is outstanding. If we trade punts, we typically pick up yardage. Uh, Cooper's already proven to be a good punt returner. He had a 16-yard punt return today, as I recall, that was well done. Um, so, and, and not to mention, we almost always do a good job of defending against explosive plays. Today, that was the problem. Uh, but I give... I give Mo a lot of credit for that because he's an unusually good back. You know, it's easy for him to make people miss. I am aware that Nebraska has a pretty solid runner back there too, but I wouldn't put him in the same category as Mo. You know, Mo now has 19 consecutive games over 100 yards. That's pretty amazing. I think that's the the longest string since 2000, I believe. I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right, Corey? Yeah, and quick quick prediction. Nebraska won't be able to run against Iowa next week. I, I predict a big bounce back because Phil Parker's guys are way too resilient. And you're, you're right. He's a good back. He's not Mo Ibrahim. And I just think Iowa, these these guys are going to be – they're going to be uh, smelling blood next week. They're, they're going to be ready to go. I think there's too much at stake. Uh, you know, our guys are going to be on an emotional high for the game uh, because they know we have our we have our destiny in our own hands. And I'll say this, one thing I was proud of, we went to three Rose Bowls in our 20 years here, and in all three cases, we knew all we have to do is take care of our business, and we're in. And when we when it came down to the last weekend of the season and the Rose Bowl was on the line, we won it. 
we won that game every time. And one time I think we lost to Minnesota, but we already had it clinched anyway, as I recall. The other two times we had to beat them, and we did. And I would expect that our guys are going to play with that same effort and intensity this weekend. I should say this next Friday. Um, so in that regard, um, you know, good luck to Nebraska trying to stay with us because I think it's going to be a, a huge challenge for them to be able to do that. Well, thanks, Coach, and uh, thanks, Corey. I hope you guys have an amazing night. Go Hawks. Uh, by the way, I had to put a jacket on down here in Florida. It, it was a balmy, like, 61 today. So We all uh, feel sorry for you, Paul. I know. I know. Anyway, go Hawks and good night. Thank you, sir. Take care. Always love when they can rub it in. We had our our listener from Costa Rica that uh, commented here a little bit ago. And speaking of uh, kind of cool comments here, I, I enjoy hearing from different people across the country or maybe across the world. How about this one, Don? Ross Kim woke up at 6 a.m. on Sunday, Korea time, to watch this. Go Hawks. You got listeners over in Korea, Don. Now, there's a, there's a football fan. Now, is he saying, is Ross saying he woke up at 6 a.m. to watch this or to watch the game? <laughs> Because if he's you're right, he said to watch this. <laughs> no, we we should feel special. Oh yeah, yes, we absolutely do feel special. Um, all right, uh, let's see here. Um, I did see a, a, a comment here, or I should say, a tweet from Iowa. According to uh, sports information, this is the first time since December sixth, nineteen eighty six, that there was a game that was penalty free. Don, do you happen to know what that game was in 1986? Or maybe you brought this up earlier and I'm already forgetting. 1986, my gosh. No, I don't. Let me give you the date again because you should be able to figure it out from the date. Okay. December 6th, 1986. December 6th? Well, it's not not the bowl game. It's not the bowl game. You ought to know this, Don. 86. It's probably against Minnesota because Minnesota was typically no. our last game. No, no. This is not just for Iowa. This is any FBS team. Oh, uh, Army, Navy. Army, Navy. Army, Navy. Army, Navy. So how about that for a stat? That is a good stat. Of course, you know those cadets and those midshipmen, they wouldn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I still can't believe zero penalties in this game, Don. Unbelievable. Um all right, let's get to our caller who's been on hold. Thank you for calling Iowa Post Game with Coach Don Patterson. Who's on the line? Hi, Corey and Don. It's Ryan from McGregor, and I'll be brief tonight, I promise. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm great. How could you not be great after a win, at least? Um, I, um, you know, my comment on the game, and I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll be brief about that, but my question's regarding recruiting. Um, but I uh, thought in, 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 with regards to the game, Don, I was really happy to see the contingency planning. It was really, really great. I mean, at least it was some there. Um, and are you guys still there? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then I thought, um, you know, all three phases played really, really well at times and they played really bad at times. And I thought, you know, it was um, um, sort of equal. I mean, it's kind of hard. I think it was really, truly a, a team win. And, and that's all I'll say about the game. Um, Don, I was listening to you, you uh, dialogue with the guy regarding the 81 squad. A real quick comment about that. When Coach Fry was there, 
you know, he played, you know, teams like uh, UCLA, Nebraska, Oregon, Miami, not cupcakes like South Dakota State, Arkansas State, and the like. So uh, those guys that are trying to make comparisons between the parents era and the prior era, good luck with that because you're wrong. You got to remember, we can't play on the Pacific uh, time zone because we can't handle that. That's been the excuse for our poor performance out there. And that ticks me off. So I'll say that first. Um, but Don, um, the best quarterback prospect I've seen uh, that at Iowa that came out of high school was a little guy from Baytown named Drew Tate. And when he came, you know, he, he was a slinger, man. He could run the option. He could do all that. And I saw year after year after year uh, while he was at Iowa that his, his, his skill sets climbed. And it really bothered me uh, to see a guy like that uh, end up at Iowa with such poor uh, development. And um, I, my question to you really, Don, is, and to Corey, you too, is do we have any recruits at the games day in Minnesota? And B, can we possibly ever regain the ability to get Texas recruits again? Um, because it seems since the Drew Tate era, that's ended. And well, I'll hang up. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Uh, that's not totally accurate, Don. There have been some Texas recruits. Matt Hankins was a Texas recruit. Right. Uh, they're in on a, a kid right now. Uh, now I don't remember. He's a twin. Uh, Cam Jenkins. Cam Jenkins is a corner that I believe they're still in the running for him, uh, but we'll find out here in the next month. We've got signing day coming out coming up in about a month. So they they recruit down there, Don, but certainly not to the level of uh, – uh, your guys, your you know Hayden Fry and his squad, and certainly you were a big part of that. But that, Iowa really doesn't have roots down there right now, do they? Coaching wise, yeah, I think that's a a problem. Um, you know, a simple example, just to give you an idea. Our first year here, we brought up some of the very best players in Texas, and we didn't sign a one of them. And and Coach Fry afterwards said, "Well, you know, we got them to visit, but none of them." wanted to take that leap of faith, and so we lost out on every one of them. He said, let's put a hold on taxes until we win, because I don't think we're going to be able to sell them until we do win. Well, after that 81 season, I went to Coach Fry, and I said, Coach, now we have something to sell, so I'd like to ask you to send me back to Texas. So he did, and and Robert Smith was in that very first class. Uh, Coach Fry said, that's fine. We'll recruit Texas, because you're right. We have something to sell now since we've qualified for the Rose Bowl, but let's be sure that that first player is a special young man. And Robert Smith was special in so many ways. Uh, Robert was um, one of the best sprinters, not just in Texas, but really in the entire country that year. And um, and Robert is not in the record books for touchdown passes. I think he had 16, as I recall, 16 touchdown passes. But he was also effective as a kick returner and a punt returner. He also did a great job of pushing defenders deep so that we could hit a lot of those intermediate routes. Uh, he was a team player in every way. Proud to say that I recruited him. He's he's a Big Ten back judge right now and still lives in Waterloo. And he met his wife right here at Iowa, and they have a beautiful family, and, and they're still happily married. So I'm happy to have my name associated with Robert Smith. Uh, Robert was just one of many, of course. Um, there's so many I can't name them all, but certainly the listeners remember Merton Hanks. A little quick story on Merton. I was looking at a running back from Louisville High School, which is north of Dallas, and I couldn't help but notice as they were playing Lake Highlands, 
the same skinny defensive back made the tackle every time on this great running back. And I asked the Louisville coach, I said, who is that defensive back from Lake Hollins? And he said, his name's Merton Hanks. And we never could get by him. So is it any surprise that I made a stop at Lake Hollins High School for Merton Hanks? It came down to us and the University of Texas. And I'm proud to say that Merton chose us over UT. And, um, and I still remember Connie, his mom. I remember her uh, telling Fred Akers, Coach, you're wasting your time. He's going to Iowa. So no offense, but why don't you go ahead and do something else with your time other than visit with us because my son's made up his mind. Uh, how about David Hudson? Uh, you're talking about a, a guy that could throw the shot put over 60 feet, and he was a fullback for us. But the truth of it is we get in one back offense with David in the backfield, and we still run the ball because he was such a good runner. Um, that's just a few of them that come to mind. There are too many to name. Um, and um, and Carl Jackson also did a great job of recruiting the Houston area. You know, who can forget Melvin? What, I can't think of Melvin's last name. Help me out, Corey. Great linebacker. Melvin Foster. Foster. Okay. Yeah, Melvin Foster. What a super player he was. Uh, let's not forget about Matt Hughes, you know, who was from Eastland, Texas. Uh, a lot of good players in Texas. But the one advantage we had over the current staff we had a living legend as our head coach, and he was born and raised in Texas. And uh, I used to tell the recruits as I met with them, I remember watching the Hayden Fry show when I was in high school. He was a young head coach at, at SMU, and he was he was taking lesser talent and beating better teams even then. So uh, the bottom line, of course, is we were able to recruit well in the 80s and into the 90s. And that certainly had a lot to do with our success. Two areas primarily away from the Midwest. One was Texas, and the other one, of course, was New York, New Jersey. And Bernie Wyatt deserves great credit for being effective in recruiting back east. Of course, he's from he's from Amityville, New York. So it was Bernie didn't need a, a roadmap to know where to drive. You know, he knew exactly where he was going. And there's so many great players also that that came uh, from New York and, and New Jersey, of course. Erica says that I missed her super chat. Ah, ah, ah. I did not, Erica. Sometimes I'm a little slow here, but I got your super chat, Erica. Thank you for the super chat and for reminding me here. Coach should wear a cowboy hat on air along with his, along with a what's the upside t-shirt if we win the West. And uh, Erica also wants to know, thank you, Erica. She wants to know, has Coach bought his cowboy hat yet? I'm, I'm saving up for it now. Okay. Very but good. I don't think I'm going to be able to accumulate enough money. I have to ask for an increase in my allowance. Michael Weber, appreciate you being a premium subscriber, Michael. Hawks continue to own the month of November. P.J. Fleck has yet to beat Iowa. Oh, and six. Thank you, Michael. Month of November is all about character, and I put the character of our football team up against anyone. I agree. Most definitely. Jordan Miller, appreciate the super chat, Jordan. He says, thanks, Coach and Corey. What's your overall assessment of the offensive performance today? Go Hawks. Uh, I would grade the offense um, overall a C minus, and that's not in comparison to the rest of the season. If we were comparing it to previous performances, I'd give it probably a B plus, Don. But um, still, I mean, you look uh, the number I gave earlier. Uh, the final three quarters, Iowa gained approximately 114 yards in total. They totaled 280 yards on the game, 59 yards on the ground. That's still mediocre at best, Don, but it is an improvement 
from some from what we had been seeing. And it's more than their average on the season in total yardage. And I understand a game like this, total yardage isn't the perfect formula for calculating an offense's performance. But Don, how would you evaluate the assess the overall performance today from Iowa? Well, part of our part of our problem today on offense is that our defense was having a hard time getting off the field. And that, a lot of credit goes to Minnesota. As I mentioned, we only had nine possessions apiece. We did start fast, and, and let's not forget, one of the problems we had in the last three quarters is we lost what most people would say is our very best player on offense. Uh, nothing against Lachey, because I thought Luke, Luke did a good job today. Uh, but Laporta seems to be um, um, the most valuable player in our entire offense. I think he adds so much to our run and passing game. And, um, and he's inspirational with how he plays. He's a little bit the offensive version of Jack Campbell, I would say. Both those guys, you know they're going to lay it on the line every week. They're not going to hold back, not even for a second. And um, and in that regard, both of them inspire their teammates to, to play at that same high level. Thank you, Jordan, for the super chat. Let's get to Vincent. Vincent, welcome to the show. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Good. Thank you for being patient. Oh, Absolutely. Um, Corey Don, if I can, I've I had a six and a seven year old join me sitting next to me. They'd like to say hello. Is that okay? Absolutely. All right, guys, say hi, Don. Say hi, Corey. Hi, Don. Hi, Corey. <laughs> How are you? Hello, you gotta tell us your names, though. I tell them your name. Addie, Emmett. Addie and Emmett. Addie and Emmett. Yeah, and you guys are big fans of who? Who's Daddy's favorite team? Hot guys. <laughs> I That's good. You're, you're starting them young. That's good. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I'll make it brief because I got a low uh, battery. But uh, um, a lot of people have kind of been ragging on the Iowa run defense today, and yeah, it wasn't the greatest. But I, I hope what people understand is Mo Abraham is an excellent back, not just a good back. He's an excellent back, and then Minnesota has a darn good offensive line. So as much as people want to kind of rag on the Iowa run defense today. It's just, yeah, they had one of those days. Um, but just, again, look at the back you're facing and the O-line you're facing. So it's just it's kind of one of those um, uh, storms, perfect storms, I guess you'd say. Um, the question I wanted to ask you guys is the, the progression of the offensive line. What are you guys seeing? Are you seeing improve it or improvement, marked improvement? Just want to get your guys' take from each of you. I'm gonna get leave that up for Don because I I really don't know that I can assess it. Don, you're a, you're an offensive coordinator. Well, I think he, I think even Kirk acknowledged that we. I think he made a comment that we took a step back against Wisconsin last week. I give a lot of credit to Wisconsin. I think I don't know how many of those looks we had seen on video. Maybe they gave us some looks that we hadn't seen. Uh, but as I mentioned a week ago. We had some communication problems today. They didn't just necessarily beat our pass rush in a physical sense. They got us a little bit confused. Our communication wasn't what it needed to be for us to be able to pick up certain stunts. Uh, today, I think we did better with that. Uh, and one of the reasons we did better, I guess, is because uh, we seemed to keep them off balance a little bit better with um, with when we were throwing. You know, we didn't throw that, that much. Um, right. But – uh, it's hard, it's hard to say for sure that we took a step forward. Uh, the numbers aren't great, but but we um, you know we ran for 59 yards officially, 
you heard me say we had 20 yards and losses on those two muff snaps. Right. Uh, so that would have put us at 80 yards. Um, you know, that's still not a good number, of course, in comparison to, to 312. Um, but at least we had some semblance of a running game. Corey, you heard me say a week ago, we don't have to outrush Minnesota, but we got to at least be in the ballpark. Truthfully, of course, we were not in the ballpark, and yet we still won. Uh, it was an unusual set of circumstances to get that done. And part of that equation is simply mental toughness and resilience. You know, our guys didn't give up. And and you keep defending until until they're in the end zone. And and maybe you can't stop them until, until they're in the shadows of our goalposts. But that's what you have to try to do. And today we did that. Both turnovers were critical and couldn't have come at a better time. Do, do you think – uh, I've heard the term youth. Do you think it's youth? Um, do you think it's a combination of that and maybe some, um, I don't want to put coaching under the, under the bus, but do you think it's a combination of coaching and youth or that we're having the struggles? I mean, anything you can put your finger on. And the reason I say this, Corey and Don is you're seeing, and Don, you made an excellent point earlier. Um, you're seeing Petrus play, not great, but he's playing more efficient. Um, solid play. Uh, he's not losing us games. He's not throwing picks. Yeah, the sacks are things that we can do without, but he's playing more efficient, which gives me some, um, you know, hope going forward. Obviously, against Nebraska, and then if we win against Nebraska into the Big Ten championship um, game, and I think a pivotal point for us is going to be the play of our O line. If our O line can do well it's going to help dictate the outcome of a game so with petrus playing more efficient um having more solid play what now is kind of concerning us is what's our or what offensive line is going to show up and again do you think it's used do you think it's coaching is it a combination well part of our problem relates to the fact that the guys doing the playing for us in our offensive line are not as old as some other players in the program um most programs, those that are perennially in the, in the in the bowl scene every year, uh, older players do most of the playing, which means you're very seldom you'll have a phenom like like our guy that's playing for Tampa Bay right now. Works. You might have a guy like that. Of course, it's a four year starter in the offensive line, but in general, the guys that that man those offensive line positions are guys that have been in the program three, four, or five years. And as you know, we've got some some older linemen that haven't worked out as well as we hoped or, or that maybe aren't even here anymore. And that forces some younger guys into the into the starting lineup. They're doing the best they can. They're 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 conscientious, they're trying to eliminate their mistakes, but it's just a complicated game to play. And even if they get it get it right in terms of assignments, it's also complicated if you're if you're not yet at your twentieth birthday and you're playing against guys that are 22 and 23, that's a distinct disadvantage because they have a, an advantage in maturity that might be difficult for you to overcome. Those are some of the problems you face when you're playing younger players, especially in the offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. No, it makes perfect sense. Um, um, I, also, I'm going to agree with both Corey and you, Don, as far as, you know, if, if things turn out the way we're hoping, we make it to the Big Ten championship game, I think our better matchup um, is going to be versus uh, Michigan. I, I'll, I'll say it. I certainly don't want to see Ohio State again. I just don't. I think they're far too 
and I, and I mean lethal. They're way they're far too lethal uh, from the skill position standpoint. With it doesn't even seem to matter what running back they have in there, but just the receivers. I mean, they have NFL talent at each. I mean, you're one, you're two, you're th- every receiver on the field. I just I don't want to see Ohio State. I'll be the first to say it. So yes, I hope it's Michigan. Um, oh, I had one other question. I just had a, a brain fart. Here's one. Here's one other reason I hope it's Michigan. A chance to have a rematch from a year ago. Yeah, not only that, but I think when you look at our first game this year, we were into that game. I'm sure Corey Don, you guys remember well or remember it well too. We were into that game, I think, into the third quarter playing poor. I mean, playing extremely poor. We were still within, I think, two touchdowns. We brought we brought it to within one. Um, so, so we it, it's just a better matchup. So that that's what I'm hoping for. Um or that's what I hope the, the matchup would be if we make it to that Big Ten championship game. And, Corey, now I remember my last question was, um, I know you had kind of made a video earlier in the week about Proctor. Anything else you've heard, anything rumor-wise that you've heard about Proctor? I know I don't get overly concerned with it. I actually agree with Kirk Ferentz's take. You know, one player doesn't make a program. But I would be curious because you have a guy that has the skill set that he has who I really do think can actually come in in his freshman year, make an immediate impact. Um, anything you've heard outside of what you updated us with on Wednesday? Um, uh, first of all, I, I don't listen to any of the rumors out there. I don't care what on three is saying. I know they're predicting that he's going to flip to Oregon. Um, the information, excuse me, the information that, that I've gotten has been from someone who's, I think, reliable in Caden Circle. And I don't think the decision has been made. But as of right now, he's, he is still committed. So I would anticipate him signing in December at this point. Now, things can change, but I anticipate him signing next month. Okay. I just don't know if you heard any other um, updates at all um, about... I mean, he just, he just won the state championship yesterday. So I think he was pretty locked into that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reports out there by certain people that uh, I don't think are true about... Right. Uh, Caden Proctor, he was in Oregon, and his there's an O-line coach that was at his game on Friday. But other than that, I think there's people who are listening to the wrong people. That's what I'd say. Well, I appreciate that. I um, just was curious. Uh, gentlemen, as always, I appreciate the time. Um, uh, Don, just the same. Uh, always appreciate you taking the time out for us Hawk fans. Uh, I can't wait to get my kids out to Kinnick. They keep asking to go. But I know for them, their little legs can only walk so far. When you're walking down Melrose trying to get to Kinnick, you can you can lose gas pretty quick trying to get to the stadium. But um, these guys would like to say goodbye to you real quick. And, uh, again, I just enjoy the time, guys. All right, guys, say goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. Say bye, Don. Bye, Corey. Go Hawks. Goodbye. Bye, Corey. Have a good night. All right, gentlemen, good night. Thank you, Vincent. Always love hearing from the younger generation of Hawk fans, Don. <laughs> they'll they'll yep. grow up and be season ticket holders, so. Um. Okay, we're we gonna have to go rapid fire here, Don. You remember what okay. that means? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm locked and loaded. Quick, quick, and to the point, right? We got OS for Hawks and Hawkeye Howard still on hold. Yeah, uh, James says, "Why switch running backs so much? Do you think that hurts the flow being subbed out so much?" Maybe, but the only the only uh, qualification I would go with there is the guy that's making those decisions. Is a guy that played that same position and played it well, you know. So he's a better judge of who should be in the game than any of us. 
and I would defer to him. Uh, I would I would uh, voice the opinion that if a guy seems to have a hot hand, uh, think twice about pulling him out, and and just be sure he's really tired. Of course, he has the freedom to tap out anytime he wants to, and you'll see the smart backs do that. Of course, they'll recognize if they have a good backup that maybe the backup when he's fresh is better suited to play than he is. Uh, truthfully, think about this. I wonder poor Mo as well as he plays, and I, for what I know, he's an outstanding person. But he's going to probably agonize over the fact that that fumble occurred on his 14th carry on that one drive. And maybe that had something to do with the, the turnover. We'll never know. Jeff Ball. Tim Brando said multiple times that Stevens uh, missed a field goal. I heard that. He, he, he said at one point, Drew Stevens has already missed one field goal. He also said uh, if they ruled it a touchdown, they can't review it. Those were words out of Tim Brando's mouth. He also said one of the that throw to Reganey that was high and hot, yeah. which you did say might have been catchable. But what Brando said is that's one of the best throws from Petrus I think I've ever seen. I disagree. At best, it was a difficult catch, right? At best, it was a difficult catch. I, I, I hate to rip, you know, I'm not ripping him as a person, but as a as a play by play guy, oh my goodness, Don, save us from Tim Brando. Please, I can't deal with the calls anymore. You know, I'm a little bit. I just feel like ESPN's announcers do a better job than than Fox or FS1 in general. There are certain guys for uh, BTN that I don't mind. Um, I like yeah. I like Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt is terrific. Joel Klatt is excellent. And I do like Gus Johnson. I know some people don't. I do like him because he. I know you don't like him, Don. Right? Well, I like his know. commercials. I like when he's talking to his toothbrush. Getting ready for the have you seen that commercial? No. He does have a great a great voice for television. Um LH says, question if we run in uh, if we run this train to Indian Indy and we get our blanks handed to us like last year, Michigan, do we send in our future QB? I would have to ask who is our future QB. I don't think their future QB is on the roster, LH. That's my answer for you. Uh, ZJ says, uh, question for coach with a minute left in third and one, why not squeak and not squeak? Why not sneak and risk, not risk a fumble potentially? Um, here's the reality. I saw the Buffalo bills fumble a snap the other day in a, in a sneak situation. So just because it's a sneak doesn't eliminate the possibility that there's a turnover. Right. Richard says, so what will it take to see real changes in our coaching staff on offense? I've been a Hawkeye fan since I was born and we continue to accept mediocrity. We'll never win an outright championship. Um, I don't have the answer to that question, Richard. If you feel that, that uh, what Iowa football is, is is mediocre because they're about to win the West cha- West Championship or division, whatever you want to call it, and that might be enough to not ignite change. And you have every right to not like that. That's I think just how it is. Um, Ryan says, Don, do you think the slick field had anything to do with our poor wide receiver performance? I didn't realize there was a slick field. Neither. Um, Douglas, where will we be in three years if we do not make changes? Um, struggling to win the the West, I'd say that. Of course, we're not going to be a West in three years, which brings up a good point. At that point, it's going to be more competitive. You're right. Let's face it. Would you rather be in the West or the East right now? Hands down, I'd rather be in the West. Um, 
Big Bolivar says, be concerned about Big Red. Can't take Nebraska for granted. They pushed Wisconsin to the limit today, Don. Uh, James says, uh, they didn't try to stack the box or just bring pressure every play, make the QB beat you. That's what I don't get. Um, without looking back at the, the tape from today's game, Don, um, did Phil Parker stack the box less today than he has been since the bye week? Good question. I'm not sure, you know, because I haven't really – I watched it in real time. I stopped it a few times, of course, and replayed a snap here and there, but I'm not sure. It didn't seem like quite as much, um, but it probably was. I, I know there were a lot of snaps where our safeties were coming down. I haven't seen the tackles, tackle charts, but obviously number 30 made a lot of tackles. Uh, it seemed like I noticed him more than maybe any of the other, the other uh, safeties or cash players. But, um, you know, we just had difficulty reeling them in. I, I think we played a little more zone today than we did in some of those other games. But I don't like – I just know our problems dealt with – if a safety is making the tackle, of course, then you're giving up first downs. Uh, the linebackers or the, or the down guys need to make the plays to, to make sure we force a punt on three downs. Appreciate this comment from Brehawk65. Thank you for the super chat. DC Hawkeye says, hey, Co Corey and coach went to the Iowa Seton Hall game Wednesday and the Iowa West Point match on Thursday. West Point, excuse me, is an inspiring and incredible place. Froze today at the UConn game. Gets uh, dang cold there, but awesome place. Appreciate that. Uh, DC Hawkeye, uh, uh, literally, uh, he's, obviously, he must live in DC and travel. Yes. Uh, quite a bit. That's like a great way to spend the weekend. Uh to go up to West Point, I would tell anyone that's listening right now, uh, you're going to feel better about those income taxes you're paying if you have a chain West Point. It was founded in 1802, and it really is a special place. Um, here's a great a great quote about West Point that's so appropriate. Think about this. How many schools can claim this? Uh, here, How about this for a quote? The history we teach was made by those we taught. That's a profound statement. The history we teach, and we're talking about military history as we say it, was made by those we taught, previous grads. And um, it really is a special place. And, and Mikey Stadium is a great setting for football. And, of course, the Corps is all there to support the team. Uh, I'm presuming that, that Army won today. I know they were up by 10 in the third quarter. I don't know if they held on to win or not. Uh, incidentally, UConn's had a good year. They're bowl eligible already. But I couldn't help but notice that Army was favored in the game in part because UConn's schedule is questionable, let's say. Army did beat UConn 34-17. to 17. Um, Thank you, DC Hawkeye, for the super chat. Um, thank you, Craig. He says, uh, live in Alabama now. Bama this year would have liked to have Iowa's defense and special teams. Uh, they got a pretty good defense themselves, but not many better than Iowa's. And, yeah, not the best of performances today, but still – Hold them to 10 points. I, that's a passing grade in my book. CS Music Factory says, Corey, are you going to go to the championship game if Iowa goes? And Don, are you going to go to the ch conference championship game? That's a question I hadn't thought about yet, uh, CS Music Factory, until you just asked it. I was just in West Lafayette for the Purdue game, so I'd have to go right back to the same area. Um, not, not to say I wouldn't do that, but I guess that decision hasn't been made yet, Don. Uh, my guess is uh, that I will not be there simply because – Army Navy is in our plans for the following weekend. We're going to go to Army Navy. It'll be the first Army Navy game I've seen in 50 years. 
And and for those that might want to break into my house, don't try it because I'm going to have people living in the house while we're out of town. <laughs> I wasn't planning on it, Don. Kim says, uh, why did Minnesota pass on third and short at the end of the INT? Pass on third and short at the end on the INT. Okay. Was Why that was that third and short? That's what Kim says. You're saying the, the tip pass was on third and short? I didn't realize that. Uh, that may be true. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't have them. Uh, you want me to tell you, Don? Yeah, if you can pull it up right quick, that'd be good. Uh, let's see. Interception. It was third and seven. It wasn't third and short. Third and seven. That's defined as third and long. Yeah, that's there's your answer. YT YouTube viewer one twenty seven on that corner blitz sack that Spencer took. One of our non wide receiver Hawkeyes ran past the corner without touching him. Shouldn't that be a call rule to avoid a free blitzer? Well, you bring up a good point. I did notice on that play, I believe it was a tight end that was coming out. There was there was a receiver, of course, lined up out wide. The corner fired off of him, which meant that receiver was running down the field. Uh, there's several different things to do. He might go hot. That's a possibility. If we can't defend against the corner blitz or the lightning stun, as we call it, then there's a couple of possibilities. He goes hot. That's one possibility. The other possibility is that next receiver out, which is the equivalent of a back in the backfield. It happened to be a tight end on that play. You're right. Our guy ran right by him and ignored him. One thing he might have done is simply give himself up and block the lightning stunt. That's an option. That's what we call blitz pickup. You know, you you just figure out how you want to do it. One option is to throw hot. The other option is to give up a receiver to block the guy that's trying to get in our backfield. We obviously didn't have that in the plan because our guy ran right by him. He could have he could have tapped him on the shoulders. He ran by him, I think. Uh, the bottom line is our quarterback was not aware that he was in our backfield until it was way too late. We're lucky that the ball didn't come out, truthfully, because if he would have uh, come full speed at our quarterback, maybe it would have. He, he broke down a little bit before he made the tackle. All right, we got 20 minutes to get through a plethora of questions and two callers. Okay. OS for Hawks here. Uh, appreciate you hanging on for so long. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I just wanted to bring one thing up that uh, Coach Don uh, had talked about, that um, we only had four – plays on defense that were on the negative side of the ball. Um, that shows to me that we did not win the line of scrimmage. Right I there, that, that shows me, that shows why Ibrahim went for the yards. And let's face it, Ibrahim's probably going to play on Sundays in the future in the NFL. Uh, he's that good. He, he reminds me of David Montgomery somewhat from Iowa State as a running back. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to bring that up. Uh, the other thing is I did check. <laughs> I, I recorded the game. There was 11 people on the field on that timeout on the, on the field goal. So I don't know what was going on there because I ran it back and I count, there's 11. So I don't know why. What? After, the, after the announcer said, I think there were only 10 guys on the field. Yeah, no, there there was eleven out there. I counted them. I counted yeah. four times to make sure. But anyway, um, the only other thing I want to say is I appreciate 
of the Hawks beating Minnesota because I have family in Minnesota, so that always makes it easier for me. <laughs> Amen, brother. Uh, I can relate to that fully. I live in Ames, so I get it. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, And the only other thing that I wanted to bring up, and I'm – is on defense today, too, and, and maybe I'm just seeing things. It looked to me like um, – it, and not only Jack Campbell, but um, Benson too. That on a lot of plays we seem to be over pursuing. Is, is or am I just armchair coach that doesn't know what he's talking about? I think I think Mo Ibrahim is pretty darn good at finding them cutback lanes. Don, is that fair? Yeah, that's I think, very I true too. Fair. Yes, yeah. You know the yeah. bottom line. We got typically we got two linebackers in the box, and there it seems like there's at least three running lanes that might open up. We can defend two, but invariably it seemed like Mo found the right one that was open. I know it had to be frustrating because it's hard to locate the guy. You know, you've got, you've got your big bodies in front of you. You've got their big bodies in front of you. And Mo is behind all those bodies. And it's difficult to sort it all out and to, to be sure that you can take the right, the, plug the right gap. Uh, invariably it seemed like there were two guys plugging the gaps and he was in the third gap. More often than not, that's a lot of credit that goes to Mo for that because that's outstanding vision. Yeah, and uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up too was I thought that Spencer Peters played. I would I don't want to say a great game. He played a a a good game, um, and I want people need to know. I mean, I didn't play in college, but I played in high school, and sometimes in late October it gets pretty cold. When it's that cold, that uh, has to affect, you know, some of the things that go on in the game. And, you know, credit to them to be able to play. I mean, I think wind chills were down around zero in that game today. So, anyway, thanks for taking my call, guys. I always appreciate your show. I love it when Coach Don's on. So, thank you so much. And I'll say you. How do you feel about me? Well, I love you too, Corey, okay? No, Don. I'm just giving you our time. <laughs> Appreciate you calling. Oh, yeah. yeah. I will say this about Spencer, Corey. Uh, Spencer has played like a veteran quarterback these last few weeks. Yeah. And that's had a lot to do with our success. Uh, you know, Spencer's played solidly. Uh, not perfectly. That's impossible. But he's he's trying to play the best he can, and he's doing a good job of managing the offense. Uh, of course, we'd like for him to be more elusive than he is, but that's not going to change. That's not who he is. But he is playing like a veteran and not making many mistakes, and that's what gives us a, a better chance to win. All right. Remember, quick fire here, Don. We, we got a bunch of questions yeah. here. Steve says, I recall New Jersey being a wealth of recruits under Coach Fry. Who was responsible for that? That would be Bernie Wyatt. Is quick fire. <laughs> I love it, Don. Brad uh, says, love the show. In 2004, Minnesota had 336 rushing yards. Iowa had six. Hawkeyes won the game due to four turnovers. Is that right? That can't be right. Is that right? Um, who am I to say? I don't know. I was working elsewhere in 2004. I'm going to tell you right now. How's that sound, Don? Okay. Um, 2004. Wow. That that is right. Twenty nine twenty seven. Minnesota had three hundred thirty seven yards. Iowa six, and he's right. That we lost. Minnesota lost the turnover battle four to zero. Can you believe that? If you're minus four, I promise you, you're in trouble. 
but Minnesota was also minus 300 in passing. <laughs> so these are two teams that played much differently in 2004. No, the total offense was pretty even. Trey Cobb, Campbell, is he the best linebacker in Iowa history? Danimal says the same thing. Apparently this is making its rounds on social media because some media person said that, uh, that that's the case. Uh, I think that's jumping the gun a bit. I think he's really good, Don, but there there have been some great linebackers, not only in, in the Hayden Fry era, but Josie Jewell was a great one who's had a terrific NFL career. Just to name one, he's not the he's not the athlete or the physical specimen that Campbell is, but uh, your thoughts on that claim, Don? Well, Josie, you know, great linebackers find a way to get to the ball. They always can locate the ball. I can think back to a guy that was a parade All-American when we were at Iowa, and um, he certainly looked good and when we came out with our recruiting signings, but the guy never played very well simply because he couldn't find the ball. Great linebackers find the ball. And that's one thing that Josie Jewell did better than just about anyone. Uh, Jack Campbell does a great job of finding the ball too. And he plays with such great range. You know, he'll make a tackle on one boundary, one play and the other boundary, the next. So he's literally all over the field. And how about Larry Station? Why, you know, I don't think you can make the anybody. It's very hard to say definitively that anybody's going to be better than Larry Station. Larry Station was an incredible athlete, and he also knew how to find the ball. Yes, he did. Uh, what a great player. You're talking about a guy to give you an idea. Larry Station threw the discus over 200 feet in high school. Think about that. And he, so just an incredible athlete. And yep. he, of course, he played like it. He was a, he was a consensus All American. Thank you, Danimal, for just, the Super just Jack, Campbell's, Jack Campbell's probably going to be that same consensus All-American this year. Rob wants to know, do we have an update on Laporta? I do not. I have not listened to Kirk Ferentz yet. Do that after. Mod Fox 10 thank you for the $5 Super Chat, sir. Appreciate the support. John Buckeye, Super Chat says, great show, Coach and Corey. Enjoy the insight and perspectives. Hope the Hawks can make it to the title game. Thank you, John. Brand Miguel, anytime you get to the Big Ten Championship game, it's a successful season. Um, and Hawk fan 20 agrees. Uh, that's up for debate. That's up for interpretation, Don. I guarantee you, if you're Ohio State, if they if they make the championship game but lose, but well, they're not they can't do that now. But at the end of the season, if they had lost to Michigan, gotten to the conference championship game and lost and missed out on a playoff, that's a disaster of a season for Ohio State. So, beauty's in the eye of the beholder with this, Don. I would say this you know, we need to go to Indianapolis. We don't have to win the game, but we have to feel really good about how we played if we don't win it. Absolutely. Last uh, year, we didn't feel good, so that would be an improvement over last year. Feel good about how we played. The only information I have on Proctor I mentioned here a little bit ago. Um, hopefully more news on that coming. BJ, thank you for the compliment, BJ. Ryan says, surprise, Corey has not acknowledged. Kirk Ferentz is now tied for third among third winningest Big Ten coach of all time, and that's what Hawk fan 20 points out as well. So congratulations to uh, Coach Ferentz. Seth says, will USC and UCLA be in the Big Ten West? I don't think we're going to have East and West as it currently is situated, but if they are, if they do just join the Big Ten West, uh, you're going to have to have teams leave the Big Ten West, maybe a Northwestern or uh, an, uh, Purdue, but uh, I don't think that they're going to be situated that way. Christopher, seen on Twitter, this is the first time since 29 that Iowa D has allowed 10 or fewer points in eight games. And this is the first time since 86 that an FBS game was penalty-free. We talked about that earlier, the Army-Navy game. Um, Circle Herc, is it true Hayden Fry played a game of rock, paper, scissors against his reflection and won? 
I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. <laughs> um, William says uh, we will get destroyed in the Big Ten championship game. Don, you, you, you're not gonna, you, you're never gonna say that. But do you have uh, hopes that we that Iowa could win a, a Big Ten title with the way they're playing? I don't yeah. personally, but I could be wrong. I have hopes, and one reason I have hopes is because um, it's going to be hard to convince the East Division representative that we're opponent to be respected and and um, and thoroughly prepare for them. You know, it's going to be hard for those coaches to – they've already – both teams have already beaten us, so it's going to be a rematch. And you know what they say about rematches? It's hard to beat someone twice. Well, I suspect that might be proven true. They may do it, but I think it'll be difficult for them to do it, whoever they are. I think we'll be ready to play. I don't worry for a second that we might embarrass ourselves at Indy. Okay, um, Casey Mallory, great show. Appreciate that, uh, Casey. Um, he says, will Don be on on Friday since Iowa basketball is on at the same time since you have Gary on? And yes, yes, yes. I know it's a scheduling nightmare for postgame shows. Don, we're going to have to talk about postgame show next week because uh, – Yeah, it's a 3 o'clock kick, right? What time does basketball tip? I believe 6. Now, why in God's name would they tip that at 6? It's well. TV, it's, not, it's 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 a game down in in Florida. Oh, okay. Not, I thought if it was a home game, it would make no sense. It's I a got you. game in Florida, so yeah, they would. Never, they're not going to play at home, but uh, I don't think they controlled that. Now it would have been nice if if the tournament down there could have scheduled them later, like eight or something. But then you're talking about nine o'clock Eastern. Even if you could have made it eight o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Central, because the game, the football game is not going to be over at six. I mean, it might be close to being over, but I'm going to yeah. have two TVs. I'm going to have two TVs going in, on Saturday, on Friday. Well, Corey, I'm I'm prepared certainly to do a show. Of course, I can't get back here for maybe an hour after the game. But if you'd like to do a show during the basketball game, I'm certainly up for that. I don't know if that's what you want to do, though. Well, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that because we we're going to have to figure that out. We're going to figure that out. We may have to do back to back shows with Gary, or maybe I'll just bring you and Gary on, and we'll do a. Iowa post game show with <laughs> Coach Close and Coach Patterson. No, we'll figure that out. I need to watch the basketball game, and Gary needs to watch the football game. Well, we'll figure that out. We're going to be here most of the day on Friday. I'll just tell people that right now. Italicus says, "Is it just going to be a repeat of last year, losing the Big Ten championship game and then losing a bowl game?" Hope not. Um, hopefully, I will learn from some of its miscues in those two games because they had a lot of them in the Big Ten title game. Um, David says, Don, do you remember Gene Holtorf from Fort Dodge? Absolutely. Another linebacker, too. If you think I'm I'm just acting like I remember him, I remember him as a linebacker, and I do recall he was in Fort Dodge. Um, Hyperlocal, why is it that Iowa always gets torched by good running backs? I don't get it with how good our D is. Um, they don't get always get – that's a, not a – that's not a an accurate statement. Uh, we can go back to Mayan Williams against Iowa. Was it Mayan Williams or well, they have two really good backs. Whoever it was that played, one of them sat out. I think the Ohio State game, Iowa held both of them down. So that's an inaccurate statement. They held Braylon Allen down last week. Don, he's he's been a terrific right. back for Wisconsin. So that's that's just not accurate. And Ibrahim is exceptional. He's he's a pro. Hawkeye Howard. He says this just Iowa Hawkeyes football. They're not called the heart attack Hawkeyes for nothing. 
Thank you, Coach, for being with us. And Hawkeye Howard jumped off. I guess he got tired of waiting. Shout out to Hawkeye Howard. He is still in the hospital, and he's comfortable with me sharing that over the air. He, he's been dealing with surgeries, and and certainly our, our thoughts go out to, to Hawkeye Howard and his family because he's battling. Keep up the, the good fight, sir, and uh, appreciate you being here. We'll, we'll see you again soon. Uh, Ryan says Corey was uh, Scott Helverson in versus Michigan in 85. Don will say yes. He was in by about six inches. It was in the back of the end zone, and he was definitely inbounds. Should have been a touchdown. Ryan and the only, there is that, the only there is that Scott Helverson is now a back judge in the NFL. He's officiating the same position that the guy that blew the call in our game was officiating. I've heard you say this before, Don. It's that's, true. That's uh, Ryan says, heard a, a rumor this week that Brian is being considered as O-line coach at Rutgers, Illinois, and New Mexico State. And who started that rumor? Well, that sounds like a really nasty rumor. Uh, no, I don't believe there's any truth to any of that, Don. Do you? No. Why, why, why in the world would Brian Ferentz go to be the offensive line coach at New Mexico State, which is maybe worse than, than Iowa? And, they, they may be, they're one of the few offenses that may actually be worse than Iowa's. Yeah, that's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Las uh, Cruces, New Mexico. How many games has Iowa won in a, how many games has Iowa won in a row against top talented teams? Uh, what, is, what does that mean, Don? I don't know. I don't know. That, that depends on I'd like to be able to answer your question. Um, I don't know what that means. They just lost to Ohio State by like 30 a few weeks ago. So I, mean, I don't know what we're talking about. Explain, please. I'd love to answer your question. Ryan says, Don, whatever happened to Vernon Rollins? He was my hero. Whatever happened to Vernon Rollins? He was my hero. Okay. He's repeating himself for emphasis, Don. Well, Vernon lives right here in the Iowa City area. I know that because I run into him every now and then. <clears throat> You're right. He was a great football player from Houston Yates High School. Uh, really, in some ways, he was a lot like Jack Campbell. He was he was a big guy that had height. Incidentally, here's another play that Jack Campbell made. Remember the ball? It was another one of the RPOs down the goal line, and the ball was thrown, and Campbell did not get a piece of it. But it barely cleared him, and I think it had everything to do with the receiver not being able to control it. Uh, Jack's just got an amazing ability to react. The RPOs don't necessarily get over him, and um, and that's one reason that he's such an outstanding player. You know, he's he's got great range as a linebacker, both as a tackler and a pass defender. Lolly Q, reason number 42 to love Coach P. Oh, that's very <laughs> kind. I appreciate that. She's up to 42, Don. I wonder about those first 41. Maybe my sharp wit is in there somewhere. Hey, uh, how about this, Don? Uh, Carol, South Carolina is up 56 to 31 on Tennessee. So I guess we don't have to worry about Tennessee in the mix anymore. Let me just say this. It's better for the Big Ten if Tennessee loses. It's better for the Big Ten if USC loses. I don't know if, the, if somebody give me the status update on – I guess I could check it. USC, UCLA. And the reason when I say that – UCLA is up 24 to 20 in the third quarter. So if USC loses, or if USC loses and Tennessee loses, I think the loser of uh, Michigan Ohio State gets in, especially if it's Ohio I, State. I think, imagine this, and I think uh, Coach Peterson said today on 
TV, Chris Peterson, he said, what I'd like to see is Michigan-Ohio State be a very, very close, hard-fought game. Yes. And then he'd like to see Tennessee win out, and also he mentioned SC went out, and he said, "I would." Let, you talk about a difficult assignment picking from those three teams, the loser of Michigan-Ohio State, Tennessee if they went out, plus SC if they went out. Well, it's not going to be a problem because I think at least one's already been eliminated, maybe two. Um, HROT88, how about Addison Astringa? Yes, uh, you know, injuries, as you say, you're always one play away, and he's been tied in three all year, Don. He's a true freshman, Don. You remember back in uh, the spring, I said he Addison Estringa was my dark horse for um, maybe uh, just a dark horse in that 2022 class. Nobody was talking about Addison Estringa out of Wisconsin at tight end, uh, and he obviously has been one of the freshmen that has made a huge impression on Kirk Ferentz and the staff because not many true freshmen play right away, especially when you don't enroll early. And Estringa has been good and made his first career catch today. I was going to say, early third quarter, catches his first pass. It was Y stick. It was worth seven yards. What we call a stick route. You know, it was just down and downfield and then back outside. Um, high percentage throw, but you still got to catch it and protect the ball. And he did that. It's a good start. One for one as a receiver. Apparently, USC just took the lead, just to update everybody. Um, David, thank you for this. Appreciate you being here, David. Glad you found the show as well. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I didn't think I'd ever have to answer this question, but Hawk fan says, why do you have a cyclone in your logo? So when when the channel was created, when, when my platform was created, Don, the thought process is it would the thought process would uh, indicate that it would be obvious enough through the name and through the logo as to why there's a, a cyclone in my logo, right? So as you can see, um, there is a hawk in the middle of the logo. I'll throw it up there. There's the logo, right? And the reason that the channel is called from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Thank you, Don. I'm picking around the corner. The reason. <laughs> The reason it's called From the Hawkeye of the Storm is because I'm an Ames guy, right? And so I'm broadcasting from the eye of the storm, right? Center of Ames. And Iowa State is literally, they're literally the Cyclones. So it works a couple of different ways. And if it's too hard to, to think about, I, I didn't think it was, but that that's the, the if you want to know, I never really talked about that. That's the origin of the brand and the logo, Don. So just to answer that question for I thought it was very very clever on your part, Corey. And I never I, forget I, the name of your website because it's easy to remember. Don, I had a guy. Uh, this was a long time ago, but when when this when the platform was just start just first getting launched, we had somebody on Twitter, and of course Twitter is accessible. But somebody said uh, something about how this was the worst podcast name they'd ever heard of. <laughs> so, Don. But you know what? We followed we followed the example of Iowa and their offense. When they tell you that you're the worst, you just put your head down and plow through. <laughs> We're gonna be the best worst name that we can. Yeah, you keep you keep grinding, right, Don? That's right. Um it's all, Robert, that's all we know. Robert wants to know why the interception stepping out of bounds was not questioned by the coaching staff. Again, you can't there's nothing you can do at that point, right, Don? They they reviewed it. Said there wasn't conclusive evidence. I don't know, even if they had said that he was 
Jack Campbell had not stepped out of bounds. You can't call a touchdown there, right? Play it's, it's, not, it's not reviewable, right? So, well, they did review it. They did review it. But I thought if I thought if a wing official ruled you out of bounds, they didn't. I well, thought it was non-reviewable. Didn't they say that or not? What would have been the outcome? Because they did. Re- I can tell you, they did review it. So, what would have been the outcome had they said no? He did not step out. What was the outcome then? Well, the play was dead when they. I mean. The guy blew the whistle a little bit late. That's the only reason that Jack made it to the end zone, right? You see what I'm was, you see what I'm asking though. I'm asking they reviewed it. And I I'm agree I'm in agreement with you. They they did review this, correct? Uh, am I going crazy on this? Because they zoomed in on the foot. That, that was during a review, I was pretty sure. I could be wrong. It's three hours. We're into this three hour show. I saw, I saw a, another game or two today. I was flipping around, of course, before our game and after our game, not after so much as before. We had a lot of good 11 o'clock games today, so I was flipping one to the other. So maybe I'm getting it mixed up with one of those other games. All right, and final comment from Circle Hurt. Did you see what they got? Can you go back to that last one, Corey? Okay. Eventually, announced it was not reviewable. Yeah, that's what the announcers are saying. I just thought I could have swore they reviewed it, but I guess guess I'm wrong. Uh, Steve says the same thing. They did not review it. Okay. I've been wrong before. Circle Herc. Final comment from Circle Herc. Is it true Hayden Fry used pepper spray to season his steaks? Sorry for these. It's just what I heard. I'm learning things about Coach Fry that I never knew. Coach Fry. Uh, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think that's true. As a final recap, folks, Minnesota, yes, won the rushing battle today, 312 to 59. Iowa did win the turnover battle 2 to 0. Right, Don? Without looking at the. Final stat sheet. It was two to zero. Am I correct? Right. That? Yes, we were close to win Iowa for the probably for the second straight year. I'll be anxious to hear analytics because remember last year, Don, they won in spite of losing almost well almost all the consequential parameters last year that were essential to victory, and they may have done the same thing tonight. I Minus did check. They, they won eight of the top fifteen. We won six a year ago, but the rest of the story is they won the top five parameters and still lost the game. And okay. I think one of those, one of those, I'm sure, was outrushing your opponent. I, out, a year ago, they outrushed us by, I don't know, recall, 150 yards or so. More than 100, I do remember that. So, really, it was similar to a year ago. We beat them last year with some chunk plays, as I recall, and the kicking game, right? We had a, didn't we have a kick return or punt return? I think. We had a big play to Charlie through the air. I don't, I don't remember special yeah. teams wise. Um, okay. Well, folks, remember, Iowa is one win away from the Big Ten West Championship. Uh, somehow they are. And then some the reason to celebrate. There'll be an action next Friday on Black Friday at 3 p.m. Central Time. It'll be televised on BTN. Uh, but if you're going to the game, be sure to get there early, Don. Right? Support the team. Be in your seat when uh, the game starts. Again, 3 p.m. Second straight week of a 3 p.m. kickoff, but a shortened prep week for the Hawks. We will have post-game coverage with Coach Patterson. Information on that to be announced because we've got Iowa basketball down at the Emerald Coast Classic the same day. I believe uh, they are tipping off at 6 p.m. Central Time. And of course, we have post-game coverage uh, for basketball as well. So stay tuned for information on that. If you're new to the show or if you've not done so, please hit the subscribe button. It does help. Please hit the like button as well. If you're interested in joining uh, by means of being a premium subscriber.
click the join button next to from the Hawkeye of the storm here on YouTube. Do want to thank one final shout out for Brad Van Meter and his team down at State Farm. Uh, again, entrust Brad with your insurance needs. You will not regret it. They spend countless hours serving their customers with all kinds of different types of insurance. And uh, they treat you right. They'll get a quote specific for you. 515-256-6480. You can also visit him at 4229 Fleur Drive in Des Moines or online at bradbandmeter.com. Thank you, Brad and his team for sponsoring the show. And of course, uh, I mentioned becoming a premium subscriber. If you want to sponsor post-game coverage with Coach Patterson or the show with uh, Coach Close, our basketball post-game, reach out to me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. You can also share the show on social media. That in and of itself helps. So if you are not able to financially support the show, certainly sharing it on social media is a way that you can support things here. Um, I am, of course, live with uh, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, each and every Tuesday. And uh, we're on at 4.30 p.m. Central Time. So we'll be previewing a big, 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 big Black Friday uh, game. So uh, be sure to be there on Tuesday with Mark Rogers and myself. Again, check out his stuff over at the Voice of College Football on YouTube. And if you have not done this already, I encourage you, please, this is another way you can support the show. If you shop Amazon already, if you're doing Amazon shopping on a regular basis, I know most people do. Got packages coming almost every day to some people's homes. Shop Amazon with us. Use the link in our description, the Amazon link in our description to do your daily shopping, whether it's Hawkeye gear or daily essentials. Use that link. Portion of the purchase proceeds go to the channel. Uh, so, again, please use that link. To shop Amazon with us, and it doesn't cost you any extra. Thank you to the Johnny O Show. He's kind of our behind-the-scenes guy that helps a lot of our our tech stuff. He's developing our merch, which is closer and closer to being launched. So stay tuned for From the Hawkeye of the Storm merchandise. And Don, I I think that's it. If people want to follow me on Twitter, they can do so at From the Hawkeye at From the Hawkeye on Twitter or From the Hawkeye of the Storm on Facebook. And Don, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, I don't have one. I know. I was just, <laughs> just trying to give you a hard time. I do have a question for you, Corey. Are you going to have Hawkeye Hangout on Wednesday night? That's a great question. Wow, look at you thinking ahead, Don. See, I'm on top of my game tonight. You're aware that I have not because two weeks ago we had our our uh, delayed post-game show after the Purdue game. We had that on Wednesday night. And then this past Wednesday we had a basketball game. So – Good, good catch. Thank you for bringing that up, Don. Um, I will be making an announcement about that. So that, I guess, has not been determined. Um, should have had that ready here. Uh, announcement coming. So to be announced on that. But certainly uh, we'll have Hawkeye Hangout at some point here soon. Uh, so stay tuned for that. It's a live call-in show if you're new to the channel. Hawkeye Hangout right here at from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Don, it's been a pleasure as always. You've lasted uh, a lot longer than you normally do because normally there's a delay and I'm on for three hours, but you only catch the last couple of hours. So are you, uh, you're standing straight up. That's, that's a positive thing. It's always fun to visit, Corey. All right, folks, for Coach Don Patterson, I'm Corey Bratta. Iowa is now 7-4, and four, one win away from the Big Ten West title. Have a great night.